Cocoa Talk would like to thank our patrons for supporting our show. So a warm thank you and gratitude go to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichard, Kyle Etter, Malfunked, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Lindner, Tom C., and Tom S. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encouraged, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of Coco Talk. This week, we bring you episode 159, where we'll be talking about everyone's favorite operating system. I'm talking about, of course, Yados. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. All right, good, 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 every, good afternoon, everybody. We're here, we're live, we're on the big show. It's a really good show we got in store for you today, folks. We've got an incredible panel lined up for you, or at least the people that are here on this show anyway, so we've got some people. And on the show, and the people that we have, who are the people in your neighborhood? Why don't we start off with our resident Apple guy. You know him, you love him. It's Mr. Mark D. Overholzer. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. We have our backup streamer. We have the guy with the cool TRS-80 shirt. I'm talking about Mark Bosley. Welcome, Mark. Hello, everybody. The thunder from down under. The musician, magician. We're talking about David O'Connor. Hello, David. Good day. Hello, everybody. Good to be here. We got a guy in Arizona where you can fry an egg on the sidewalk, and they don't need no stinking time changes. It's Ron Delvo. Ron is here. We got a guy, we've got, well, we came up with a new nickname for him today. We're just going to call him the Cable Guy. Cable Guy, Jason the Cocoa Man Reichert is here. Hey, Jason. Howdy, howdy. All right. I got plenty of wire. We're ready to go. <laughs> we got a guy digging his way into a digital dungeon here. Our Alan Murphy is here. Hey, Robert. Howdy, howdy. 
apparently having three names is like a thing. You got to do it. So, um, but speaking of having three names, the name who is so nice that we must say it thrice. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about none other than Nick Marota. Nick Marota is here. How are you, Nick? Good day, eh? Nice to be here. Good day, eh? And speaking of music, we have Brian, the music man, Shoebring is with us. Hello, Brian. The Wonderland. Yes, whatever that was. That sounded like the uh, munchkins or something. All right, and we also have a guy who gets some things and makes us all jealous. Brian Weasler is here. Hey, Brian. Hello, all. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Rick Euland is with us. Hey, Rick. Howdy, folks. Welcome back. Wonderful beard you got going on there. We got a guy with a microphone, and uh, he's got two turntables and a microphone. We're talking about Alan Huffman. Hey, Alan, how are you? Greetings. Another thunder from down under, maker of cheap knockoff software. It's none other than Nick Morentes. Good day, Nick. <laughs> Good day, everyone. All right. We got a guy who, let's just say, he's sometimes enthusiastic. Sometimes he says stuff like, uh, Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. We're talking about none other than David Ladd. So, David, I have a question for you. Are you excited about being here today? Oh, yes. I'm fully excited and I'm ready to go to go today, Stevie. And I hope everybody is ready to sit back and enjoy the show because we've got Yadas and we're ready to pump the digital storage. Let's get <laughs> this show on the road. <laughs> Yadas. I could not have said it better myself. David's, in a, David's a happy guy. He's just happy to be here. Speaking of Dave, we got another Dave. Dave's not here, man. But Mr. Dave, 6 day out 9 is here. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys. How's it going? Well, it's going good. It's going great, eh? And, um... I'm going to play a little sound bite. Tell me if you can name this game in one tune here. Gotcha. Anybody name that tune? <laughs> mm, tough mm, one. Mm. It's a head scratcher. The author of that and many other quality titles for the Tandy Calore computer, Mr. Steve Bjork, is with us. Good afternoon, Steve. Hello from Southern California. From Not so sunny today, but from Southern California. Southern California. And now we have not one, but two special guests today, but one of the special guests is, is not here yet, but we will focus on the one who is. So uh, if this name sounds familiar to you, this is what he looks like. His name is Ron Klein. Hello, Ron Klein. Welcome to Coco Talk. Well, hello, everybody. I'm not sure how I can follow uh, David Ladd there. Quite the, uh, <laughs> intro there. From a distance. Nobody can a, follow Dave. Nobody can follow David Ladd. <laughs> from a distance, yeah. So welcome, welcome, Ron. We are, we are going to um, be showing off something that you just posted a YouTube video about recently. Um, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself, um, and then we'll, we'll go on to other things and yadas and stuff. Oh, gosh. Well, real quick, because uh, some of you guys already know me, um, uh, used a cocoa as a kid, um, you know, grade school, and uh, got away from the hobby like many did for, for quite a few years. 2016 uh, was my first Cocoa Fest, and uh, got to meet a lot of you guys, and um, I've been kind of just involved in the hobby ever since. Uh, I work on the Cocoa Pie Project and uh, just dabble here and there. Um, mostly just interested in seeing what everybody else is doing in the hobby. So 
Well, you are um, you're definitely underselling yourself there. When you talk about dabbling, you do you do a ton of stuff and and things uh, to levels that most mere mortals could barely fathom. But yeah, um, the cocoa pie project is an amazing project, and it really. When, when you and I were talking, this is the analogy that I came up with, right? So, and I'm going to use the Marvel Cinematic Universe as, as an analogy here, right? So everybody saw the Iron Man movie and the Captain America movie. And that's kind of how I look at a lot of these Coco projects. Each one of these projects is kind of its own superhero. And we have all these cool things. We've got MAME and we've got Pi Drivewire and we've got the MC server and we've got XWAR. We've got all these emulators. We've got all these superheroes in our universe. And then what Ron Klein did with the Coco Pie images, he put them all together and he assembled the Avengers. And so this is like everything the Coco projects that have ever existed all now fit on a Raspberry Pi. And you put that together and you brought it to us in a very user-friendly way. Um, it is the coolest project. And if you haven't done it, you, you got to check it out. But it's it's there is no um, easy way to say how magnanimous that project is. So thanks for doing that, Ron. It's really cool. Yeah, and, and you know, like I've said before in the past, it, it's really the work of so many others. I, like you mentioned, I kind of brought it together, but it it's really, uh, you know, it, it just encompasses so many other projects that other people have contributed. So. To just take it and throw it on a Raspberry Pi, I did it for me originally. I figured it might be something interesting to share. So I'm glad to see it was well-received. I still try to keep it updated, still tinkering with it. And uh, there's some other things coming, uh, working on. Nothing I can talk about right now, but, um, you know, hopefully uh, in the near future we'll see some more updates. And there he is. There Brett. he is. The, the, the other special guest that is here today. So I'm... <laughs> We, we're going to spotlight you now, Mr. Brett Gordon. But, um, you're, you're, Brett, Brett's used to being in the spotlight. He is a mega celebrity. Uh, <laughs> so, Brett, we just finished introducing everybody else in the panel. So just to catch you up, Brett, so in case you aren't aware, who, who's here? we got Mark Overholzer. we got Mark Bosley, David O'Connor, Ron Delvo, Ron Klein, Jason Reichard, Robert Murphy, Nick Morota, Brian Schubring, Rick Euland, uh, Alan Huffman, Brian Weasler, Nick Morentes, Steve Bjork, Dave Veri, and David Ladd, and now you, Brett Gordon. You, this is your life, and um, <laughs> so we're going to be talking about your project. But why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your background and your foreground? Okay. Um, background is grew up in the '80s, um, born 1975. Uh, Dad brought home a Coco two for. Uh, my two older siblings, um, they never ended up using it. I, of course, learned everything about it and learned basic sitting on my daddy's lap because I was too young to read. He would read me the basic manual, so I was banging away on the keyboard uh, while he would teach me how to do basic. Um, and got back into the cocoa after um, back in the 2000, early 2000s, maybe. There was a big snowstorm at my house, and... Uh, decided to take the cocoa out of the closet for the first time in 20 years or whatever and hook up to a TV and learned assembler at that minute. And uh, they've been kind of dabbling with the cocoa ever since, you know, trying to come up with wacky, goofy ideas there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bigger than my bridges, but, you know, like, eh. 
That's cool. That's cool. And so um, the the first time I met you and the first project of yours that that I remember seeing was my first Cocoa Fest was uh, the 25th annual last Chicago Cocoa Fest, which I think was in 2016. And you had a project then that was your Global Thermal Nuclear War, which was a multiplayer Cocoa game Mm -hmm. over IRC. So that's one of your first projects that I became familiar with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Somehow I managed to win the wet the the retro retro challenge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you still living off the proceeds of those winnings? Has it been? Was that lucrative? Ones and zeros. I can tell you that. And and of uh, other projects, uh, the Fusix operating system. How do we pronounce it? Fusix, Fusix, Fuzix. I don't know. I, I think Alan <laughs> very tight lipped about it. Okay. Uh, it it's a running joke with Linux people. In the old days, everybody was asking Linus how you say Linux. Uh-huh. And so Alan's just extended a few of the in-jokes into the Fusix okay. world. Cause, so. so he extended that. I'm not going to tell anybody how to pronounce okay. it. So. It's, uh, it, <laughs> and so that's another one of your projects is Fusix. And then um, you also helped with the Play-Doh term for the Cocoa, which is the Errata Online thing. Uh-huh. Right, that's right. the Thomas Cherry Holmes project. You helped with that, yep. and then today we're going to be talking about Yados. 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 Yep. Right. Now, how do we pronounce that? Are we able to get a full reveal on the proper pronunciation of that? <laughs> I, I usually refer to it as Yadosisheimer. It's like a German, <laughs> German accent on that. Ah. Yeah. Yadosisheimer. Yadosisheimer. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that today <laughs> because this is just my dos. By accident, but it's yeah. I think it's supposed to be yeah, DOS. Yet, yet another disc operating system. Yet another disc operating because we need more for the cocoa. One yeah, thing right. the cocoa needs is more operating systems. We need yeah. we need one operating system to go with each particular sound card on the market at least. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. So so you you announced this week the latest release of Yados, and in conjunction with that, Ron Klein has created the epic Uber virtual hard drive image of the entire color computer archive at your fingertips. And we're going to show that off. So that's going to be our main segment on the show today. And so right before we do that, since we've done all of our introductions, we've introduced all of the people in our neighborhood, we're going to take a real, real quick break and just just some quick community announcements. So if anybody's got to go potty or anything, now's a good time. We'll be back in about a minute or two, and then we're going to learn all about Yadas. All right, after these community announcements. Hi, this is Eddie Zerbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous écoutez Coco Talk. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord. Coco123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985. While the Rainbow Magazine may be gone, it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Coco periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at Glenside.com 
www.ccc.com and then click on the documents link to view all the past issues of the Coco 123 newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, uh, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The Coco World Map is a cool community resource where you can view coconuts from around the world. Head on over to map.cocotalk.live and see where your fellow coconutians happen to be living on the planet Earth. If you would like to submit yourself to be on the Coco Map, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live and we look forward to seeing you on the Coco Map. Hey guys, it's Stevie Stroh, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Coco and be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to Coco. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Coco Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live, or send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and let's get you on the show, and let's talk about the Coco. Hi, I'm Tim, and you're watching Coco Talk Live. And I'm playing Daggereth online like that idiot from the book. Uh, can you can you dial back on the condescension there as you respond there? All right, there we have it, folks. We've just done our panel introductions. We are going to talk about Yados and um, <clears throat> Ron Klein. What is the best thing I should do right now? Should I re? Should I go back through the steps that you that you did on your YouTube video? Uh, if you want it to work, I would not do that. No, actually, that be, <laughs> well, what I was, yeah. So what I was thinking about doing because your your YouTube video starts off with talking about the run at seven because you'd already flashed uh, Yados on your Coco SDC, and so what I thought yes. I would do is I would just go ahead and and go through the motions of actually flashing Yados on my Coco SDC because it's not that hard to do, but it might be worth showing people. So why don't I start off by doing that? I'm going to switch here. So excuse the infinity effect here for just a second. I just have to find it. Okay. So here we are. We are in infinity mode. All right. So <clears throat> what, what I've got up here right now is this is Pi DriveWire, Python DriveWire. What I have inserted in disk zero right now is the Yados disk. And what is on this disk right now is a program that will let us flash Yados onto one of the banks of our Coco SDC. And, and so for you guys who don't know, your SDC has, what is it, eight banks, zero through seven, or is it something like that? And are they um, 8K banks? Uh, 16K, 16K banks. banks. Yeah, All 16. right. So there's actually eight banks of flash stuff on your Coco SDC, and you could actually flash different operating systems. You could flash game cartridges. You could flash different things through different slots. And I think bank one is reserved for the original disk extended color basic because sometimes we have to do a run at one to boot out of SDC DOS for certain things because it's like incompatible. So you can do a run at zero through run at seven to run different banks that you've flashed. And so what we're going to 
do right now is we're going to, and this is all on the disc that comes from the download. So you can get this download from Brett's site, or you can get the download that um, Ron Klein put on his GitHub, which is a zip file that has everything. It's got the Yaw disk and it's got the virtual hard disk, right? So I have this, and what is it? Flash, right? So I run Flash. Yes. So I'm going to run the Flash program, and um, hopefully no magic smoke will come out of my, um, my Cocoa. So we're saying we're pulling this from disk zero. And it's going to say, what is the uh, image that I want to run? And this is just yados.rom, right? That's correct, the ROM file. So I'm going to type that in. This is all happening on a real Cocoa. And the bank I'm going to do is 7. And it says, are you sure you want to do this? I'm going to copy ROM 0, yados ROM to bank 7. And I'm going to hit yes, proceed with caution. I'm going to hit enter. And oh, no, the flames, fire, smoke. Yeah, yeah just give it a few <laughs> seconds. There's no status update. But it is a nice utility that Brett includes with the uh, yeah. Yeah, DOS ROM. And so I have literally just now um, burned a new ROM DOS in my Cocoa SDC. And so now to run, and so now the next thing I need to do is I need to eject that disk, and I now need to insert the disk that has your hard drive image, right? Your virtual hard drive? Yes. Okay. Yep. And then there's something else I needed to do, which you're going to remind me. There's a command we have to type with that, that I don't remember. So I'm going to ask you to remind me about that in just a second. Now, um, if you guys saw a video I posted um, a couple days ago about um, when, you, when you do things in PyDriveWire's web interface and you mount a disk image, it wants to copy that file to a temporary location before it mounts it. And in the case of this virtual hard drive, it's like a 500 megabyte file. So the process of trying to mount this can take a while. So what I'm actually gonna do is I'm just gonna copy and paste in the path to where this goes from, from the folder on my computer. And it was called deckbvhd.dsk, right? So that's the yes. file name. Yep. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna mount that directly into DriveWire. Okay, and so now my DriveWire terminal is telling me that my my DeckB VHD disk is is mounted, and it's mounted in slot zero. So now this now I'm going to pick up where your video started, Ron Klein, right? Where you say run at seven, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll have to. Oh run wait, no, that no. Let's, let's do let's do the console thing too, right? Yep. yep. So in here, what was that console command again? It's uh, DW space server. Uh huh. Space HDB DOS. Mm -hmm. Space false. So now this... you could, and, and for folks that are using Pi DriveWire, you can configure Pi DriveWire to to boot up with that parameter. But in some cases, you don't want it. In this particular case, you do. That's why we're doing it manually. Okay. All right. So now I'm going to do run at seven, and this is going to boot reboot my Cocoa SDC into the Yados I've just flashed into Bank Seven of my Cocoa SDC, and I'm now in Yados. O5A Picard. Okay. And at this point, if I just type in dir, what am I going to see, Ron Klein? Uh, you will see the first disk of that hard drive image. Ah, so this is the 3000 disk image. It's already mounted and Yadoss has already got me on there. I didn't even have to yes. tell Yadoss to mount that disk. No. And you know, Brett, you may want to mention that, you know, you can talk about that, but he's, he does have um, auto detection built within his ROM okay. for different storage devices. And it, it works pretty well. Okay. Now, would you recommend like you did in your video, you changed the width so we could see the, um, the fonts a little bigger and whatever. 
Yeah, so what happens with each of these disk images that are copied to the hard drive image, um, I'm taking advantage of a, a feature within um, yeah, DOS. It's also an HDB DOS where you can have descriptive volume labels. And uh, these volume labels are coming right from the Color Computer Archive. That's where all these, these disk images came from. And you'll notice reverse video there. That's because, uh, you know, in this mode, you can't see lowercase. Um, but like on a Coco 3, if you uh, do like a with 80, these would all... You would you would see full case, you know, upper and lower okay. uh, for those volume labels. That's why I run with eighty. But but this is compatible. To be clear, this hard drive image is compatible with a Coco one, two, uh, or three, um, as long as you have Brett's Yados, uh, you'll be able to access this. Uh, right. And and Yados itself is compatible with Coco one, two, and three as well, right? As long as you yes, have extended basic, right? So it's just like any other disc basic dos right so yes it's just, yeah with with some additional features but um, yeah. and it, it's also a 16k if, rom versus what happens 8K. if you type is there a make it so command in there oh, because it's <laughs> I mean, you have to ask brett if he's got <laughs> yeah. any easter eggs in it <laughs> that's not a good idea there might be one next in the next release uh, brett likes that um <laughs> Okay, so what I'm going to do here then real quick, and I have so many monitors. Pardon me, I'm trying to switch through screens and, and everything here. So um, so I'm just going to do a, a – and, and what about the minimum RAM requirements? Is uh, Would 16K work, or do you recommend they have 32K or 64K, Brett? Um, there is no RAM requirement. It's just whatever the minimum is. What was it, 4K back in the old days? Okay. It only uses basics RAM, so it's – it's no bigger than regular basic RAM wise. So I think it, it'll work. Okay. All right. So we have right now I'm in disk. Uh, we have a virtual hard drive that's got disks, what, one through 3,000, Ron Klein? Is that? Yeah, it's over 3,000. They're not all fully populated, but I would say 90% of them are. It's, right. It's quite a bit. And yeah. then part of your part of your archive is basically you have a, um, you have a, a, a PDF file where you have listed out what everything is. So I'm going to move that over here where people can see it. So there's a there's a PDF file here. And did you actually print this on a dot matrix printer, or did you just find a cool dot matrix font? No, so I'll give you a little background on this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few pieces that make this little printout up. So so Mikey, Michael Farman, who, who did PyDriveWire, yeah. added uh, printer support to that. And he actually, uh, PyDriveWire has the ability to write out a PDF, and he actually has a like a dot matrix font as part of it. And that's what I selected. I just thought it was a neat retro look to do that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the other cool. thing I'll mention, too, traditionally with printing from a Coco, you normally needed Nitrous 9 or OS 9 to do that if you were using DriveWire. Um, a few years ago, I had reached out to Robert Galt and asked him about, hey, is there any way... Um, you know, what, what can we do maybe to print from a disk extended color basic, you know, HDB DOS through DriveWire? And he came up with some, I, I guess I'll call them TSRs, like a little loadable module that you can load. And then it redirects your, your print number two or your L list to uh, DriveWire to a virtual printer. That program, um, Brett took and actually incorporated that into Yadoss. Yeah, so we're able to do that same printing from um, within this, uh, this DOS, which is really for this, it works great because to get an index of all this, um, this was one of the easiest ways to do it. So right, right. Appreciate and, Brett adding that. And so, why, and why don't we do something real quick too? I'm going to show off the disk image. Let me switch back to the screen where you guys can see it. Why don't we take two seconds and give a real high level 
explanation of what Yados is and what Yados does. We know right now Yados is something I can boot up to. We know Yados is letting me get to a virtual hard drive and look at 3,000 disks, but it wasn't designed just for that purpose. So without getting deep into it, give us a little th elevator pitch on what is Yados. Yeah, um, Yados was my, my own tool that I used when I got kind of tired of having all these storage options um, and not being able to like clone disks from one storage option to the other without using some sort of disk imager on my real computer. And I took a look at it and all the existing options, HDB, namely at the time HDB DOS, allows you to use real floppies and a hard drive or real floppies and drive wire as your drive or real floppies and a SCSI controller as a drive or so on and so forth. You always had real floppies plus another thing. But okay. what if I wanted to have like an SDC and an IDE, like can I transfer files using regular basic commands? Could I do that, you know, by somehow sticking extra drivers in and switching them in and out and through a couple of different versions of it, that's exactly what I did. I ended up creating my own DOS that uh, has some pretty cryptic commands. So okay. setup is wild. that's why what Ron's doing is so nice. Okay. But it's designed, I crammed, what is it now, eight different type of device drivers into the DOS. And I can pretty much stick it on any machine I own, the same image, and it'll run. If it's an SDC, it'll figure out the SDC and load it up. If it's DriveWire, which usually I'm doing DriveWire, it'll figure that out, IDE. Uh, it does some of the virtual hard drive stuff from MAME and VCC. Uh, and, oh, it does the FPGA SD card natively. Wow. Um, so is it kind of like plug and play in the sense where you are detecting yeah. some of the known file devices that Cocos can possibly have? Yeah, it, it's it's pretty caveman when it comes to auto detection. Auto detection is kind of one of those things I just don't think is worth bothering with. It okay. just doesn't. This is my own personal tool. So I always said like my auto detection, it, it seems like a lot of work for just me. So I just... Uh, I run through the list of drivers. I try each driver in turn. As soon as Yados finds something on one of those drivers, it stops and proceeds to call that your first disk and let you do all the rest of the setup yourself. Interesting. Um, but what's cool about it is you can take your four DOS floppy drives, you know, the drive command. Right, that right. You, DOS. you can attach those four to all different things. Um, like you can talk, you can attach your drive zero to the SDC. You can attach your drive one to the IDE drive. If you have one of those, you can attach one to any particular drive wire that's supported. Um, and you can copy files and navigate to using the regular basic commands rather than just a bunch of drivers no. in the yeah. and came up with a system to basically allow you to set them up yourself. So. Now, this sounds like something that David Ladd would have a <laughs> floppy gasm over. Right, right, um, right. Let me, uh, let me add a few things to this too, because there, there's, there's really so much to this DOS um, that I've used as part of this project with the hard drive. So 
you know, Brett talks about the auto detection. You know, this this hard drive image that we're looking at today, we're, we're using it through Pi DriveWire because really it's the simplest way to get it loaded. And it works across all the platforms that Brett talked about. However, that same that same hard drive image could work on the SD card on a Coco SDC, SD card on a Glenside controller, a Super IDE controller. Like Brett mentioned, the, uh, the Coco 3 FPGA, there's an SD card in it. All the emulators, VCC, MAME, um, XROAR does support hard drives, just not to this size. I, I'm working on the side with uh, Karen to see if we can get that changed. Um, but the other thing too, depending on what storage devices you have, it, in fact, with this latest release of Yados, Brett has the ability, it'll, it'll do auto detection in a certain order. I think it prefers drive wire type storage devices first. If it finds something there before anything else, that's what it loads, that's what it uses. However, at boot up, at power up of a Coco, um, each of those device drivers is assigned a numeric ID. You can hold down the key on your keyboard to have Yados uh, force the load of a particular driver, give that priority instead. So that makes it very convenient as well. Um, the other thing that this DOS does is you can actually um, interface with a DriveWire server and issue commands right from DOS to eject and load disks on the server from a basic program, right from commands. You can do it through a basic program or you can do it interactively. And if you have a Coco SDC, there are certain commands um, that you can issue where you can uh, load and unload disk images on the SD card right from commands within this DOS, whether it's in basic or interactively. So it's extremely flexible if you're going to write programs and do automation. And that's that that ability is what allowed me to populate this hard drive image. Um, it was all done on a cocoa. I mean, literally uh, reading in a bunch of files and copying them to the hard drive. And um, it was because of Yados I was able to do that. So there's there's a lot of other things as part of this. It's in the README file that Brett provides okay. um, with this. But I just wanted to kind of put that out there. There's a, there's a lot under the covers with this. Neat, 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 neat. Yeah, and again, so this is meant to be a this this presentation we're doing today is meant to be kind of a high level look at it and just kind of basically, <laughs> to be completely honest, I'm just ripping off your video, Ron Klein. <laughs> I'm just redoing your yeah, YouTube yeah, video. Yeah, no, that's so, fine. Um, but at least we have you here to talk about it a little in a little bit more depth, right? So, um, but to, to be fair, right, this was inspired by the YouTube video that you posted. And so far, I haven't done anything that you haven't already showed everybody. Um, so, so here we are. And I, and I'm, so this is a virtual hard drive that's got over 3,000 disks. The first disk has got this designer thingy. And then there's the PDF file that gets into how many disks are on here. And we can just start to scroll down. And for example, look at Ron Delvo's picture collections are on here, right? So Ron, Ron, you start off around 2653 and we've got Orchestra 90 and DriveWire and ESP and um, we have adventure games. We have all kinds of stuff. So if you scroll, Poltergeist by Tandy, that is on disk number 1869. So I just picked that one at random. What would I do to jump to disk 1869 now? I would type in drive space comma 1869. Yes. Okay. And that is a command to quickly navigate this entire hard drive full of these uh, disk images. Now, why does this say the pond? 
<laughs> is your is your reference off now? The pond. No, is, did I did I read did I read the number wrong? Yeah. Oh, that's um, interesting. 1869 says the pond. 1869 says the pond. So it's 1868. Sorry, my bad. Bad memory here. I'm a short term memory. So it'd be drive space comma 1868. Great year, by the way. So now if I type in there, there it is. So this is this is disk 1868 out of 755 trillion disks that exist in this uh, thing here. And so now if I just do lodem polter, right? And Stevie never exaggerates. I've told you a million times not to exaggerate there, David. So, right? Lodem polter and then exec, this should be booting up polter geest, right? And boom, epic fail. So that was probably maybe a Coco 3 or 6309 problem. I'm not sure. But um, I don't know what the hell just happened there. And Poltergeist. Okay. Poltergeist got in and we, messed it up. Yeah, that was yeah, the actual Poltergeist. Could. We probably would have had better luck. Um, it might be working correctly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me, let me uh, provide a little information about that hard drive image as well. Again, those, those disks all came from the Color Computer Archive. Uh -huh. uh, the only disks that are on this hard drive image are ones that are 161K, uh, you know, the standard 160K single-sided disk images. Anything larger is not on there. Um, if there are games that are um, using, let's say, special disk I.O., um, those will probably not work because you're following the restrictions of what DriveWire supports with regards to that. And with the disks off the Color Computer Archive, normally, if they're Coco 3 only, that should be in the description. Again, I carried over those descriptions. But if something was not labeled correctly, I, again, I'm just carrying over what was there. Okay, this one booted so, up. So the, the pond boots. Yeah. So you didn't guess uh, and, and also keep in mind, this hard drive image is something that, you know, for people that want to use it, you're you can modify this all you want. If you have your own disk images, you want to copy to it, you want to reorganize it. It's, uh, it's pretty simple to do. So. Right. Would it be safe to say that most of the stuff that's in the archive is, is in this image? It's like 3000 images. That's a lot of images. Yeah. There's still a lot that was excluded just because of the different languages. Um, a lot of OS nine stuff is not in there. Um, but it's it is a large large portion of it. If you were to go to the archive and go to the disk section, yeah, m most of it's here. Cool, cool. So so basically, YaDOS is a, an improved version of like the HDB DOS because it seemed like it to to use like a restaurant analogy, it was like you have your main course of floppy in one side. Choose your side, right? Um, and you couldn't you couldn't order a la carte. Yeah, I'd like a floppy, and I'd like an SDC, and I'd like DriveWire, and I'd like an IDE flash, and I'd like a hard drive, right? No, can't have it. It's your choice of floppy and one side, right? So yes. so this is an a la carte, basically deck B. It's still it's still still color basic, but it's an it's an it's a color basic with a la carte storage options, and you can have up to eight of them simultaneously. Was there a limit, or was it just four? It's it's up to eight. I think Brett said up to eight storage devices. You can only use four of them at okay, a time. Okay, four at a time, because each one's being mounted to the drive zero through three. Right, so there's, yeah, so there's there's you, you can have up to four at once, but yeah. they can be of, of eight different flavors of back-end storage technologies. 
four different SDCs if you want. You can have three SDCs and a drive wire. You can have whatever you can squeeze into your. Right, right, right. So, so, so can you mount? Could you mount like say say you've got one SDC image and you want to copy um, to a file from one um, from one directory to another? Can you you can use this on the same to easily copy files like programs yeah. from one place to another? Yeah. You just use the regular copy command. You mount your SDC on drive zero. You mount your, uh, I don't know, drive wire or ID card on the other. Uh, and you literally copy from drive, you know, just using the regular disk extended color basic copy command. You copy it from one disk to another. Those disks happen to be on different devices. But, yeah, it's an easy way of you can script it all too. Uh, that's so you can cool. copy from anything to anything, basically, for, from from the same device or from different devices. Yeah, that was a major goal. Yeah, I don't do a lot of that, so it might not work. But I, every right. time I try to do stuff like that, it works just fine. <laughs> Usually, I'm just mm -hmm. kind of using DriveWire to load up my own Noodley projects. And and, and outside of OS nine, there is just no easy way to support multiple types of storage systems, right? Because OS nine has got the ability to load drivers to to access things, but if you right. Just you got things on floppies and you want to get these floppies to an SD or from your SD to a floppy or you want to take a bunch of stuff from your Cocoa SDC and dump it into a virtual hard drive like what Ron Klein has just done. The, the possibilities are not completely limitless, but there's a vast array of, of different combinations of storage devices and cross-pollination opportunities here. So that's really cool. And, and I'm not a technical guy. I'm not a floppy kind of guy, but I understand it enough to appreciate how cool that is, you know? Well, let me add that um, I didn't really think anybody would ever use Yados to Ron's extent that he took it. I mean, I I had all these partitions that it supports. Um, uh, you know, I had the system built, but I, I really don't exploit it very much. I just know I can put it on any Cocoa I can find and eventually end up using a disk somehow with it. Yeah. Hey, Brett. I mean, hey, Brett. Hello. We have a question from uh, Facebook, or sorry, YouTube. Um, so, uh, Tim, Tim Franklin sends, how does it handle programs with multiple disks? No That's idea. That's a good question. I, I've been thinking about that. So, if you were to mount this with DriveWire like we're doing now, yeah. nothing says that you can't just remount a new disk in the middle of the game. And oh, have that's it. true. Like on the back end through a DW command or something? Yeah. Well, or in this particular case, if it's a game, you can't, you know, you're in the game, you can't type anything to change it, but you would go to the Pi DriveWire server and just um, change it there. Change it there. Yeah. It's kind of a kind of a way around it. Um, if you were to have the same image mounted uh, via, the, let's say, an SD card on a Cocoa SDC, even though the Cocoa SDC supports that uh, using its native operating system, it would not work in this particular case. Um, you would want to do it. So that that's actually a pretty good benefit of mounting it via the drive wire way. So you can actually exchange mm -hmm. disks if you need to. Yeah, so yep. behind the scenes, you've swapped the virtual floppies and the Cocoa just thinks there's a new disk of Mylar in that drive. Yep. Um, so using this method, you could basically load up something like Colormax, create your graphics in, in via drive wire, change the, the, the disk to a different disk and then save the actual file onto a different disk to what the to the actual Cocomax program's on. So you can actually, you know, taking that, nothing says you can't load another hard drive image on, let's say, uh, disk two or disk one, 
however you look at it, on the Pi DriveWire server. You could have a whole other 500 meg uh, virtual hard drive on, uh, actually in all four slots if you want it. I mean, it's it's really that flexible. So, you know, your storage that you have access to, like on the Coco, is almost endless at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did a quick just showing of pulling up a random disc and loading it. Would, any, would anybody else like to see me load anything else off this three thousand disc image, or do you kind of get the you get the gist of it, right? There's there's three thousand different discs on this one hard drive. You can go through a list, pull up a number, and load it up. Um, anybody want to see more? I mean, I know I showed it and I kind of went over it quickly, but you know, Ron Klein's got the YouTube video as well. Did we post a link to Ron Klein's YouTube video by any chance, Mark Overholzer? Uh, it'll be in the news when we get to it. But, yeah, I did post it earlier. Okay. I can post it again. Yeah. Uh, also, we have some Nitrous 9 questions here from Roger Voss. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now, but that's okay. We can, yeah. we can still try to answer them. <laughs> we have some Nitrous 9 savvy folks here, hopefully. So, um, uh, so um, all right. So, But before we move on to the Nitrous 9 question, does anybody want to see anything else on the Yados and on this epic disk image? Anybody want to see anything else, or do you, do you all kind of get it? And you've seen enough and you understand well, there's 2,999 more you haven't shown us yet. <laughs> would, it, would it be worthwhile showing the, the, the process of copying one, from one physical device to another? Um, it probably would be, but I don't have other devices mounted right now, and no. that, that might slow down the show. So, um, yeah, fair enough. But, yep. but so just so this is a plug for Discord. There is a Yados channel in Discord. Surprise, surprise, right? Because uh, Discord, the service that is short on channels, we managed to squeeze one in for Yados. Uh, of the two or three channels that you're that you're choosing there, Yados is one of them. So. If you have a question for Brett, who is the creator of Yados, you can hit him up in Discord. If you have a question for Ron Klein, who is the epic disc uh, dude, you can hit up Ron Klein in uh, Discord as well. What's your name on Discord? Is Mr... Uh, uh, GW454. That's a long story. Yeah, so I'm Mr. A, I'm GW. a car guy. That's where that came from. <laughs> so Ron Klein is on Discord as well. So if you guys have more questions about Yados, and, and, and this conversation can definitely go deeper. And if you, for those of you on the panel right now, if you want to ask Brett or... Um, or Ron a question now, but let's try to keep it shallow because we don't want to start getting into the the deep driver level discussions. But if you have some general questions, feel free to ask Brett and Ron Klein now. And if not, we can move on to the next thing. I don't want to rush through this, but I don't know if we've talked about it. We've shown what it does. And yeah, Ron Rondell Vo has a question. Hey, Ron. Yeah. <clears throat> Is there a document uh, showing syntax for Yadas, you know, commands? Yes. There's a readme. A manual? A manual. <laughs> but it's, the, you know, yeah, it's, it's all right. If you see any spelling errors, let me know. Let me pull up a readme.txt and see if, okay, here it is right here. I will bring up the readme.txt real quick um, and, and show that off. Let me go to my center screen. Um, way too many scenes. So, yeah, it, right here in the readme text, it says Yados is a branch of HPD DOS. Originally on an 8K ROM, and it gets into some of the technicals. And then if we continue to scroll down here, we might get into here's your drivers. It talks about the various drivers: DriveWire over RS-232, RS-232, DriveWire over Bitbanger, DriveWire over the Becker port, Coco SDC, Glenside IDE, SD card on the Coco 3 FPGA, MU disk, 
a floppy disk controller. Um, there are lots of things. So here's some of your commands. Drive M is to mount a drive um, with uh, arguments. Drive M by itself is to list the mounts. And drive U is to unmount. So yeah, it's here, Ron. Drive I, drive I, drive O, drive dot, and drive comma. Um, so yeah, it looks like they all start with the word drive. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> right? so, <laughs> HDBR did, so I figured I'd just yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's here. And so, if you were to download that mega thing from from Ron Klein or whoever, it, it's in there. Um, I have a quick question. Yeah. Does it matter which version of DriveWire they use? DriveWire uh, one, two, three, or Pi DriveWire, and works the same way? Uh DriveWire three. I don't. I don't know if the older versions will work. It, it does work with Pi DriveWire. You can mount this, I believe, in regular, the Java based DriveWire three. And it. What about DriveWire well. four though? Is what I meant. Uh, no, I'd have to look at my manual to see if I supported DriveWire. Yeah, I've never tried that one. Uh, I've used it and it works really well. It's really super fast, but it's uh, it's a weird one. I'm not sure if I included it or not. I'd have to look. Okay, that's all right. I just wanted to make sure because that's generally what I use here was DriveWire for. So, okay, um, back to the normal channels. There Brian, was you uh, asking about the DriveWire 230K beta code, or are you just talking about the standard DriveWire 3 compatibility? DriveWire 4. Yeah. Well, that's the Java, but are you talking about the beta code that did the 230K on the Bitbanger, or just... The regular drive wire. Uh, the regular you, speed drive wire. The, uh, then, yes, that it'll work just as, as standard. Because, yeah, the beta beta code for the 230K was unreliable. So that's why nobody I, uses it. I will disagree with you, David. I've used the 230K a, a bunch, and YDOS does support it, now that I'm looking at my <laughs> README. Thanks, README. Um, it does support it at 230 It'll do turbo mode or whatever they call it. There's some nomenclature problems with the whole DriveWire thing. But, yeah, it'll do the really super high-speed experimental stuff, which has proven to be very reliable and fast for me. Uh, I, I don't know from some of the, co the complaints that was brought up that that's why Tormod stopped building it because there was too many issues. Hmm. So. All right. Well, let's not make this about that. All right, so um, it should work on the standard drive wire four, right? So we have a hand up. We have a hand up. Whose hand is up? David Veery. That's Mr. Dave sixty eight oh nine. Hey, Dave. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Ron. Hey. Uh, it's a comment for uh, Ron and and Brett. Um, you know, I got back into the cocoa, and one thing that was holding me back was that I lost like all my files and programs. They were long gone. So this kind of stuff is really useful for someone getting back into it that, you know, we don't have to set up floppy drives. We don't have to, you know, feel bad that we lost all these programs and don't know where they are. That is true. Yeah, I, I see this as a great resource for somebody who needs to archive things. I've got a lot of this. I've got a lot of real floppies that I need to move to SD, or I have a lot of stuff I want to like to move to disk images to put on the color computer archive, or just get it into DriveWire or whatever. So, and you can script it all in Basic. Wow, script it in Basic. That's cool. Well, and now, how much would you pay? By the way, how much does this cost, <laughs> Brett? <laughs> um, uh, I give you money. 
Is that how it works? <laughs> you got to buy it him is. a beer at Cocoa Fest if we ever get to one, right? Our Tandy Assembly. So, um, <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. So, um, now, is, is this a is this Cocoa One compatible or just Cocoa Two and Three? I just kind of saw the docs and I. Cocoa One compatible as well. Um, in fact, I'm using a, uh, here's a plug for David. I'm using one of his modified RS-232 packs with a Cocoa One so I can run at 115K. And uh, But if you have a Cocoa SDC or Super IDE and a Cocoa One, this it'll all work. Yeah. As long as you have Yados, this, this latest version, you're good to go. Okay. Cocoa One, Two, and Three. Yeah, so that's cool. So, so basically, Ron Klein has taken the entire color, not the entire, a vast majority of the color computer ar- archive, have all been bundled up into a virtual hard drive that you can now browse on a real Coco one, two, or three. Browse through these discs and load these discs at will on a whim, if I may say whim. Um, and and <laughs> why are you out. saying it weird? I'm saying whim on a whim, and when you're done, have some cool whip. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> why are you saying it weird? Um, and it's so that Stewie, not Stevie. That yeah. is um, that is the Stevie. coolest thing. It really is. And and as me being a new devotee to Drivewire, I bow to the Drivewire. Um, I, I and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change history here. I'd like to say that from day one, I've been a huge fan supporter. Of Drivewire. I've always said Drive Drivewire is amazing. It's incredible. It's fantastic. Incredible people are working on Drivewire. We're doing amazing things. It's fantastic things we're doing with this Drivewire. Uh, I'd like to take full credit for Drivewire. Uh, Drivewire was my idea. Uh, <laughs> getting deep in tr- here, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Make, make the cocoa great again. Yes, yes, yes. So, and, and let's have some cool whip. <laughs> so, um, to go back and edit some videos. Yes, we will. We will. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I do want to say, I, I know I've told Brett this many times. He, he's been very patient with me as I've been beating this thing up. So I, I appreciate all the work he's put into it and all the, all the numerous requests I gave him for things. He, he, he works on stuff so quickly. He never complains at least, at least not to my face. So that's great. <laughs> and, uh, and the, you know, the same with Michael Furman too, you know, yeah. he, he's, he's been such a, an advocate of Drivewire and, and that, that program, that whole thing he's done has been fantastic. And these two products go together so well. Um, so yeah, a lot of credit to the, to the original Drivewire and um, HDB DOS as a matter of fact. And then of course the, these modern spinoffs of those same technologies, uh, it just keeps getting better. So I would also like to add that the capacity limits, which I never really put through the calculator until Ron was trying to squeeze 3,000 discs. <laughs> and I was like, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never actually did the math on all the the drive geometries, but he can squeeze, what does it turn out to be, about 3,500 or something like that, or 3,300? Yeah, I don't remember what the exact total is. I even David Ladd even ran some numbers for me, you know, because he's Mr. Floppy, and I gotta consult with him. So yeah, I will say though that that's just one drive of four, right? So uh, yeah, you right. could have we could mount four virtual hard drives, each having yeah. roughly thirty five hundred floppy disks worth of content on yep. them. Yeah, so. fourteen thousand, fourteen thousand. I mean, that's, that's a lot of stuff. I can make it bigger, but. Actually, if you would like to think about it, the DriveWire server, you can mount zero 
through 255 disk images, which means you could actually access 256 disk images worth of maximum capacity. <laughs> what is this? I kind of hope it's enough, but yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> all right. So I'm just going to add one more thing to that. All right. So I'm going to top you both because you can issue drive wire commands from Yados. You can just sit there and mount and remount stuff on the host itself. So you have unlimited theory, unlimited access to stuff. unlimited. You are only yep. limited by your imagination and the ability to pirate software off the internet. So um, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, you didn't say that out loud, did you? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So, I think it can do. I think it can multiply it all out with drive wire. Where's the link for Yados again? What is your site? Is there is there an easy to pronounce um, URL to your website, Brett? Yeah. Uh, uh, just go to Google and look up uh, Coco Boot Two. Okay. I think we've got it in the news hey, too. Ron. We're, we're going to run the. When we get to the news, we'll run the link. Yeah. Hey, Ron. Yeah. If you look at, if you look in the YouTube chat, oh, it's that five. Sorry, the other Ron. Ron Delvo. If yeah. you look yeah. in the YouTube chat and go back five posts, one, two, three, four, five, six posts, you'll see the link to web spread site. Fantastic. So so we're not done with the show. I think we're going to move on to uh, to more stuff to talk about. And you and, and Ron Klein and, and Brett Gordon, you guys are welcome to hang out with as long as you like. Or you're welcome to leave whenever you like, but I want to thank you guys. And um, there are so many people doing so many projects, and there are so many projects out there. Um, and so I, I, I just want to say thank you, Brett, for a lot of the stuff you've done, because I don't know that everybody is quite aware of that. I think there there's so many things out there that there's the, peop the people who know about it. They love it, and it's great. But there's so many people who don't know about DriveWire. There's so many people who don't know about this, who don't know about that. So if we can take this opportunity to, like what Ron uh, Klein started with this video, showing that off, and we can start to show people there's these things out there. And, and like me, as soon as I saw Pi DriveWire and what Pi Driver what Pi DriveWire could do, all these light bulbs started going off. I wonder if I can do this. I wonder if I can do that. Let me see if I can do this. And so just the very fact that you're being exposed to something, it, you may say, okay, that's cool. That's not for me. Next. Or you might be like, oh, that's kind of neat. Now let me see what I can do with it. Right. And so I'm glad we we're able to add one more thing to to tell people about this Yados. It's really cool. Right. So um, thank you for all you do. I, I think you're probably an unsung hero that not a lot of people get to know you that much or the things you do. So, so let me just say thank you, Brett Gordon, for all you have done for us. And, and Ron Klein as well. You've done a ton of stuff with your Cocoa Pie projects and you're like you're the emulator guru. You help out everybody with all these questions, you know. So, um, you know, this is, this is the best spirit of the community, helping the community going on here with, with all you guys. So thank you very, 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 very much for that. Um, we will take a commercial break. We will come back with our Game On segment with international internet celebrity Nick Morota. Uh, we're very lucky to have him in our midst here. we got some top talent on this show here. Um, so we'll be back with that. And then as things come up, if you guys have more questions and something pops in your head, ask the question. We'll see if we can, we can talk about that. So we have some commercials here. I'm trying to see which commercial. i tell you what, I'm just such a sucker for Fletcher. It's really hard for me to not um, run a Fletcher commercial. So we're going to do a little Fletcher, and then we'll be back after these words, and we'll get into game on. All right, here we go. Where is Fletcher? There you are, Fletcher. 
After these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests and his assistant who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, until she shot him in the face, that is. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subby the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at cocotalk.live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at CocoMan.biz. Radio Shack, America's technology store. This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggerith like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. All right, everybody, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. We're talking about. That's right, it's the Game On section featuring the Internet's most eligible bachelor, Nick Moroda. Oh, so Nick, we have a special Coco Thoughts this week that ties into the game of last week. What was last week's game that all the cool kids were playing? Glabber. All right, so the game we've been playing this week is Grabber. And on that note, uh, Samuel Gimes, the, the thinker of deep thoughts, has given us another Coco Thought. So let's hear what Samuel Gimes has had to say this week. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Grabber. 
I hardly know her. Oh, Samuel Gaines. He's awesome. Samuel Gaines. Thank you, Samuel. (laughs) Oh, so we had some people playing the game. Do you want to do a talk up or do we want to go straight to the results? You want to go straight straight to the the results. results. All right. So the game this week, if you've been living under a rock, was Grabber. Grabber. We had people play. Let's see how that played out. that guys we're gonna show the results from last week's uh contest if you will we had 15 players which i thought was really excellent started off a little slow but we uh ended up catching up so jared mobley who didn't submit an actual score but he did play riza 400 r allen murphy 1400 terry stagy with 2500 mikey with 3000 boat of car 4000 Grant Lady, 4,000. David Ladd, 4,800. Mr. Dave, 609 with 7,200. Tom C with 9,550. Me with 12,950. Stevie Stroh with 3,900. Ben Drake, 9,450. Elkers Boyle, 58,000. And the winner was Cat Lord with an impressive 65,650. He told me that this was uh, his favorite game, a uh, game he played is one of the few games he plays very well, he said. Uh, we'll have to see if that's true, but he did a really good job. Thank you, Cat Lord. And also, thank you to Elkers Boyle for uh, patching the game so that it worked for the 6309 because we discovered an issue with that. So that was much appreciated. Thank you for another fantastic week of gamemanship. Uh, and I appreciate all you all. All right, and there we have it. Uh, the game was Grabber. Grabber? I hardly know her. Oh! Oh! That was awesome. Yeah, that was good. That was good. So, yeah, I I think a lot of people um, enjoyed Grabber. And then one of the things that Curtis mentioned was he liked about the game was it's one of the few what he calls fully multimedia games where it's playing background music the entire time. And... um, you know, just you know, because we don't have that sound chip to do that. So a lot of games that had music, the music would play, but then you know, not while the game was playing. So this one managed to slice up those notes so small where they could play in between the game cycles, and we could hear the music while the game was playing. And that's a really cool feature. Um, and, and, and and the whole game is pretty original, right? So there's been a lot of maze-type games. So you could say, yeah, it's got a maze, it's got power pills, it's got bad guys, but it's not your typical Pac-Man-style game. And the changing of the mazes and that dynamic and everything else make this game, I feel, pretty unique. Um, 
And um, yeah, I enjoyed it back in the day. I, I enjoyed playing it while I could this week, but I quickly realized I don't think I'm going to get on the damn scoreboard with 15,000 points because <laughs> I'm just not as nimble as I used to be. So uh, it was definitely a challenge this week. Yeah, that's why we had to take the scores at, uh, on the honor system because uh, it was really hard to make it onto the score list. And uh, when, if you didn't make it on the score list, the score was shown so briefly. So right. uh, it was hard to get uh, pictures and whatnot. So uh, so thanks for working around that, guys. I appreciate that. So this is uh, Ben VR Drakes. You can see my screen, I'm assuming. Yep, yep, 16,000 right here. This is Ben VR Drakes who submitted a link of, uh, of him playing the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, this is great to get uh, uh, links like this so we can show them off. Um, so I don't, I don't really feel like I'm in a position to offer much advice since I wasn't that great. <laughs> but uh, the one thing I did do was the score I got was mostly on the first level because it was uh, capture, killing the creatures where you really get the points. Right. And, and you the, seem to get a lot more points for killing than you do for bringing the uh, X's back to the center. Yeah, it's a low-scoring game. It's like 50 points or something for bringing the, the little thing back to its home base. So one uh, strategy I heard was let the monsters accumulate. And then you go, and then go kill them, and you get uh, massive points. Yeah, it's kind of like that Pac-Man chain reaction where you get all four blue ghosts, and you just keep getting those points going. Uh, I think that was Cat Lord who posted that tip, and that was good. The guy who got the best score was sharing his strategies with us even during the quote-unquote competition. So that was kind of cool. Um, Plus, he made it far. He was able to do both. He was yeah. able to milk the levels and make it far, which is a killer combination. Yeah, and the the, uh, the speed. And aggression level of these bad guys it picks up pretty quickly by like level three or four they are like some evil sobs you know um yeah it's a really neat game really unique in what and how it plays and the mechanics how you have to keep switching between screens um the fact that it really showcased music and sound it was one of those games where when you had your friend showing you how awesome the commodore was you could show him something like this and say you know what our system's pretty cool too you know so um yes and there he goes, putting up that name. See, that's a screen I did not see this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else have anything they wanted to uh, say about the game? Yeah, I think also when you're reading off the names, I think you missed Paul Thayer's name. His score was right there, too. Uh, I don't, oh, I'm, you, I don't I remember apologize. if you actually called him off, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is cool, watching Ben's play-by-play -play video. I think Curtis posted one in um, in the uh, Discord channel, too, in the High Score Screenshots room. Um, I know Rob Inman was playing last night, too. I don't yeah. know. I didn't see a score submitted, but I know he played. So we had a good number of players this week, uh, which I was very happy about, because this is definitely a challenging game, and the fact that it didn't work on the 6309 was a bit of a, uh, uh, a turn-off to some, because their machines have 6309s, so... Um, and that's interesting too. That's actually spawned a. Uh, there's some people looking into that to figure out. You know, does the 6309 actually have uh, an issue, or is it something in the game? Or so there's so there's actually some investigation going on uh, into that uh, because Curtis says the fix he made should not have worked. He basically changed an indirect call into a direct call, uh, and it ended up working. So they're looking into that. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like uh, halfway through the week, towards the end of the week. Was it Thursday or whenever he got the patch out? I don't remember. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, yeah. yeah. So for those of us who are trying to play it on real Cocos and for the, for us snobs who have 6309s in our Cocos. Cause we're the just, one percenters I've yeah, been calling the them. the one percenters because we're just <laughs> we're, it's too good for that 6809. We couldn't play the game, and but Curtis worked tirelessly and effortlessly 
to to get it patched and, and get it into our grubby little hands. And, and so I was able to play it a few times and had fond memories. Uh, who else had... Who else wants to chime in on their thoughts on the game in general and if you played it this week? Just a very cool game. First time I'd ever played it. Yeah, welcome Glad back. To hear that. Welcome back, Rogelio. Nice to see you again. Thank you. Did you That's play, did you play did Grabber this. this week? I tried to, but uh, the first try I did, the game just crashed on me and I didn't get back to it. I left the, the screen open just to take a picture of the high score. Then the power went out, and that's it. Was it 6309 you have? That was my motivation to continue that. Oh, that's but too bad. it's a bad. good game, and it's one of the best games. Yeah. Well, good. Your, uh, your volume is a little low there. I don't know. Anyone noticed that at all? Yeah, it's a little, a little low, but that's okay. I can hear him. Yeah. yeah it's all clear. Right. It's yeah. really clear. I like your mm. shirt, Expressions of Vader. I have that shirt, too, somewhere. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's like a Moods of Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I didn't get a chance to play it a lot. I had a lot of like real work to do this week, project-based stuff, and I also managed to crank out a couple of tutorial videos. So I had a fairly busy week, but um, I did get in and I played the game. So I didn't. So I not to be shamed into not playing this week. So um, good stuff. Yeah. Yes, thank you for supporting segments on your show. Absolutely, so absolutely. That. You know, listen. No, you've been busy. I know. So I don't so. take it personally. <laughs> Anybody else have any grabber thoughts, memories, or experiences they want to share with us? Anyone? Anyone? Really, it's the, mu- the music was really what I loved the best. Bueller, Bueller. Just, that was impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the music is good, and it changes. And, and the first time I made it to that, um, uh, the, the bonus round, I, I was like, oh, my God, I can't think. I'm trying to solve that maze puzzle before the time ran out. And the first time I tried it, I couldn't even finished the uh, bonus round before the time ran out. I played it again a few more times when I made it back to that bonus round. I actually solved that and got like three or 4,000 points. So that's another good way to get scores. Not only do you want to try to accumulate, get a lot of bad guys on screen and then kill them with the power pill for points, but then clear that bonus round because that's an easy multi-thousand point uh, on your score if you manage to you know get past that. Um, so real quick, Nick... Um, Marota, before we announce next week's game, I had a brief conversation with Brett Gordon before we went live today. So what you may or may not be aware of is that Brett Gordon uh, produced a game for Retro Challenge back in 2016 that was called Global Thermal Nuclear War. And it's a game you play on your Color Computer 3 that is actually multiplayer. It actually, through DriveWire, connects to an IRC server and people can play against each other. So this is a true multiplayer Coco game. So what I hopefully we can maybe do in the next week or two is our next game on challenge could maybe be that because we can oh. literally be playing against each other in the game, trying to drop nukes on each other. So I was thinking that'd be a really cool way to not only have us all playing as a group on individual basis, but playing on a group in a multiplayer basis. So we're going to try to work out some of the technical logistics. Yeah, that'd be but, great. Um, so maybe in a week or two, because um, I know you're going to reveal next week's game right now. Yeah. So at least the week after that, and if we have to hammer out some of the back-end stuff, we will. But I think that'd, well, be, that'd really be really awesome. cool. Because we, we're due for a Coco 3 game in a week yeah, or two, yeah. so that's awesome. And the new feature we have where in Discord we can all show the wall of games we're playing together so we can have that whole Brady Bunch thing. We could all see ourselves playing each other as we're playing each other, nuking each other in Global Thermal. And there's nothing better than nuking your friends than to be able to show the world how bad you just <laughs> pwned one of your friends, right? So, um, 
So that would be kind of cool if we can pull that, that off. Be. Yeah, right. I'd love to do that. Um, hey, cool. Brett. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Brett, do we need to set up an IRC server somewhere that we can control the uh, speed? Maybe, but um, I'll look into whatever that how that works. I forget. <laughs> yeah, keep me. Well, there's, previously there was a throttling problem, but he was using somebody else's IRC server. So oh, there's always uh, a throttling problem. That's built into IRC. I, I think he <laughs> run around. We'd still run into that problem. Like, uh, okay, we'll look into it. Wait, we we have more options now. So keep me informed. Okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. So do you want to announce? Nick Morota, I stopped your sharing. Do you need to share to show? Yeah, I'll thing? share. Okay, because you were starting to show a whole other game. On yeah, I, I so. didn't realize the video ended. Okay. Sorry All about right. that. So I'll let you share again. And drum roll, please. We're about to find out what game the entire world will be playing next week. We're holding our breath now. <laughs> All right. So next week's game. Oh, I hate when that happens. Okay. Next week's game will be... Dun, 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 dun. Boulder. Bouncing boulders called bouncing boulders. Bouncing boulders, which I noticed Stevie started playing, and um, there was also uh, a clone of this for the dragon that was talked about this week. So I thought yeah. it'd be a good game to okay. uh, try out. Okay, so well, bouncing get... boulders by Dicom. Yeah, this is one of the ones I tried to play over DriveWire, and it wouldn't play over DriveWire because it needs to load a second bin file. There's two bin files for this to, to yes. load. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know we've talked about Boulder Dash in the past, and I don't know why. I my memories of this game are not fond because I I just don't remember understanding it or liking it. I don't remember why. It doesn't seem like it's a super complex game, but for whatever reason, it just missed my, you know, it it, it missed pulling any of my heartstrings and of all the games I played back in the day. So I really want to give it a chance to. Um, yeah, because as you see here, it's a pretty popular cross-platform game for a lot of different platforms, mm -hmm. and uh, so we got our version. So, so yeah, right. so there you go. And from Boulder's from, from what we can tell right there, it looks like the the link to download it is on Curtis's Games List website, which means we are we're, legally we're able to tell you to download this, right? So one of the things we want to yep. make sure we're trying to not do is to condone. Uh, software piracy. So the games that we play, we want to make sure that we're suggesting you play games that we know are free to play, right? So um, this one, that, this one yeah. is that is on Ron's uh, disc. It's disc number nine hundred and fifty-eight. Ah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, hopefully, it'll load over DriveWire there because I had a problem with it. <laughs> so because it has to load a second binary file. And it seems like some of these, some of these get these uh, games that are using. Illegal ROM calls or their own calls that aren't going through the ROM calls, they seem to crash on DriveWire. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but that, that would be cool. Uh, so next week is DICOM's Bouncing Boulders, a clone of Boulder Dash. Uh, runs on Coco 1, 2, and 3. And I played it on the keyboard, right? So you don't even need a joystick. All right, so it's got four directions, right? And we tried it out in 6309, and it's fine. So yep. hopefully there'll yep. be no... Uh... <laughs> Right for the so one percent, thanks again, guys. For thanks the again, one, guys. For the one percenters out there, we have that's no right. problem. Right. So sorry, that, that just that's uh, Coco one, two, and three. Yeah. Yes. I, I might have yes. missed that. Yeah, 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 it is. It uses the artifact colors. So uh, if you're in RGB mode, you have to you know switch to composite. See how you're Coco, if you're on a Coco three, hit F one to reboot first, uh, so it comes up in the right colors. Oh yes, We're, yes. Or if you're in uh, if you're on a Coco one in Australia, you get black and white. <laughs> mm, yes. Oh yep. my. Oh my. Um, so that's next week's game. Is um, 
boulders. Bouncing boulders. Bouncing boulders. All right, so we are at 3 Is that the right time, 3 o'clock? 3.20. 3.20. So we've only been doing this train wreck for like less than an hour and a half already? We're doing good. How did that happen? We're doing that good. Went. I was concerned that we would not have enough time to cover news, but I think we will. Uh, and then we do have some project updates and acquisitions. I know a few people said they had things they wanted to talk about or share with us. Is anybody pressed for time and you maybe want to go through whatever your acquisitions are before we get into the news? Maybe we'll just do that. How about we'll do project updates and acquisitions now and then we'll and then we'll go back and then we'll cover the news after that. Um, so we're going to stop that. We're going to do updates and acquisitions. I'm going to stop sharing in case anybody else needs to share or go full screen. So who all had stuff to show off? Um uh, Mark oh, Overholzer. Okay, well, we got so Dave Varys on the list. Mark Overholzer's on the list. I think Brian Weasler. Did you have something you wanted to show off this week? All right, so we're going to go in that order to start. So we're going to start with Marco. Let me spotlight you. Mine's quick. Nah, so, that's fine. Uh, somebody had mentioned this little book, uh, and so it's kind of cool. It's uh, by uh, Dr. Gordon uh, Wolf. Talks about how to interface different uh, stuff to different computers, including the Tandy color computer. And I thought it was interesting when I was reading the section on the hardware interfacing, the comments he had to say about the Tandy color computer. Anyway, it's just kind of a poor book. It's uh, pretty beat up, but hey, it's one. Anyway, I'll read here the uh, section on page 44. It says, Tandy color computer. The color computer from Radio Shack, Tandy Radio Shack, is probably one of the most underrated computers on the market. And then a few lines later, it says, Tandy has done a great disservice to this little machine by selling it primarily as a games computer. Mm. Anyway, I, th- I thought that was a really amusing comment in there. So we had a third, a neutral third party singing the praise of the Coco, saying it's 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 more than just a game machine, right? Yep, definitely. Uh, and what year that book came out? Like, said around eighty five, eighty six, or something? Yeah, it's like nineteen eighty six. This is uh, the second edition. So let's see, second edition, first printing, nineteen eighty six. Cab books. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I, think, I think most of us here would agree with that comment. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Preaching to the yeah. choir. Amen, yeah, that brother. That book's really kissing up to us already. It is. It is. And I'd like to remind everyone that I've always said DriveWire was an incredible product. It is fantastic. <laughs> you can do amazing, incredible <laughs> things with DriveWire. Um, DriveWire is, is amazing. It's fantastic. It's incredible. Um, Mr. I Dave, I need a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dave Veery, um, you are going to show us something, Mr. Dave? Yeah, I have uh, about three hours worth of acquisitions. Oh, excellent, excellent. All right, let's get on our popcorn. <laughs> All right, can I share? You can share. Somebody's got too much time on their hands. Yes. <laughs> Keep saying that. He's going to share. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing what he shares. It's going to be incredible yeah, sharing. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> there we go. Okay, we need to mute some people who are not speaking because I hear thumping. Um, what are we looking at here, Mr. Dave? All right. We're looking at <laughs> this. All just We're looking at two MC10 computers. Yes. Uh, one of them was brand new. Like I broke, the, I broke the seal on the plastic. Okay. Wow. Just for fun. Why did it still have and that the new MC10 smell? Some video problems. Okay. Yep. So that was that was a pretty good find. And the other MC10 has some uh, video problems, which is even better because gives me something to fix. 
uh, there's a pile of Tandy games, Coco games, that mm-hmm. I got from uh, Tandy. Henry Wrightville. He gave me a lot. Oh. Yeah, he gave me a good day, a bunch of cards to do that. So, yeah. send me a bunch. Okay. And the first Coco one. I just bought this uh, computer, and uh, it, it's really in good shape. Yeah, super clean. Looks like a, but nice, I guess we have a like Coco two keyboard. Yeah, it looks on like it. an a board version, early a board version with a melted keyboard. Kind of pull up another image. Yeah, you were that. starting to kind of sile on us a little bit. Your bandwidth was breaking up when you were screen sharing, I think. So, um, okay, let me fix that. Okay, Ooh, so here's the inside photo of my that's inside my Coco One. Really super clean. That is. I'm very happy with it. Hmm. Now people have been asking me what I'm going to do to it. And let me guess, and, there's um, a Raspberry Pi. I think Pi. I'm only going to update. <laughs> no, I'm only going to update to uh, 32k. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to do any any non-factory mods to it. Interesting. Yeah, it looks like it's looks like it's got the original 16k chips in okay. it there. The caps are still in there, not snipped. So who is this Mr. Dave impersonator? Uh, oh, yeah, there's no Raspberry <laughs> Pi going in there. <laughs> no Cray. There's no, no uh, wires everywhere. The flux capacitor. No, no, no Cray. <laughs> <laughs> That's my little MC10 at work. Yeah, looks good. I'm uh, pretty a computer. Now, I did buy two of them because one of them, I'm going to hack the crap out of it. Um, <laughs> What's that uh, square wave on your scope displaying there? A square wave. That was David Ladd's pulse when we mentioned we could mount four hard drives at the same time. That was uh, a really silly question, wasn't it? <laughs> what was that square wave? It's a square wave displaying on your scope. Well, that's a square wave, yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, this is cool, Dave. I like what you've been doing here. Yeah, I'm playing with my GA, uh, well, GA device for my Coco, and uh, I'm going for the neon colors. You're succeeding. <laughs> now, this is funny because this is, a, this is still the monochrome image coming out of my Coco. I don't have a video chip in there yet. But I found a way to to hack that, and uh... it's in the mail. Thank you, Mark. That was coming. <laughs> you got your mixed case there. And I think last picture. What do I have? Just more, uh, I've been playing a lot with the VGA signals, having fun with that. It's the scope, I guess, in the background. Right, and then this is your hack ROM that you've, that you've done. Um, yeah, yeah, the previous one. Yeah, I like oh, cool. That. Brings it, lists, lists the CPU there in the, in the basic prompt. Yeah, and if it's a Coco, if it's a 6309, it comes up in the peach color set. If it's a 6809, it boots up in the green color set. Is that true? Or yep. something like that. Yeah, so like so. that. Yeah, it's such a cool project. You're such a freaking hacker, there, Mister Dave. <laughs> oh, grab her! I hardly know her. 
gonna let that one drop, are we? <laughs> I'm actually really happy about getting the uh, the MC10. I'm gonna have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, that, uh, and I'm right with you there because uh, now that I have the Pi Drive Wire, the next thing I have, I have a list of projects I want to explore. I've always wanted to see how the MC server works, which is basically the MC10's Drive Wire server. And so now I need to find my MC10 and my MCX128 and and um, and mess around with that. So, that's, so next week you're going to hear Stevie say, "I've always I've loved always the been MC10. a fan of the MC10 and all yeah. you doorstop <laughs> naysayers, you doorstop <laughs> demons, you." Uh, <laughs> so I should bring a bigger shovel for next week. Is what you're telling me? <laughs> make, make the MC10 great and, and, and just wait two weeks from now. I'm going to tell you how awesome Nitrous Nine has always been. Nitrous wow. Nine has been fantastic. It's incredible. <laughs> you can do amazing things with it. I can multitask. Oh, I'll go ahead and rent a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> and four weeks from now, it's going to be about the Model 1. Oh, yes. It's never been replaced. Star Blaze by Greg Zumwalt. That's cool. Cool stuff. Yeah, cool stuff. that was some one of the games I got from Henry. Neat, 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 neat. Cool. All right. Is that is that does that conclude your showing and telling and sharing session there, Mr. Dave? That's the uh, condensed version. Yeah. Okay. All right. And for more of that, hit him up on Discord. I am now going to spotlight Brian Weasler. Brian Weasler always manages to find something interesting on the Bay of E. So what have you uh, what have you obtained this week, Mr. Weasler? Ah, uh, can you hear me? Okay. We can hear you. Yes. Okay. Um, well, first off here, uh, game. Let me switch here the camera. Sorry. Look at there you with your fancy there switch are. in there. Oh, nice. Castle Guard. So, Castle Guard. Yeah, I've been wanting to get this one here. So that was a uh, just received that one this week here. So I'm just going to uh, say, I'm going to say right now, Nick Morota, if you ever make Castle Guard the game of the week, you're fired. Okay. <laughs> Worst game ever. I thought we wanted to spotlight all games. Yes, sure, sure. All right. So. <laughs> and then, and then the other uh, uh, thing I'd like to show is a uh, kind of it was a, it was a group uh, sale on um, on eBay. It was kind of a lot that had a, a particular computer that I'll show here in a second. Okay. But it also came with some nice stuff. And the uh, the only reason I wanted to show it, we've all seen these manuals though, but. I was just really impressed with how clean they were. I mean, these things are oh, like, Oh yeah, look at that. Still, they're still shiny. And what, what I like about this one is I, I have the one that says the extended, but it's the one that's this orientation, not this portrait. Oh yeah. The tall one, uh, not the wide one. The, yeah. Yep. And so this is the wide one. And now and of put course, that back for one second. Does that say color computer one or color? See, there's two versions of that. There's the extended basic for the color computer and there's one for color computer two. So oh, okay. there's actually variants on that. So if you're a true collector, you want to have a little of all of the above, right? So, a little of the above, then it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Steve, of course, you're just being an enabler, is what you are. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah, because Brian needs Brian needs encouragement, right? So, uh, and, then of course, and then and then it also came with the uh, the getting started manual too. Yes, so. neat. So came with came now, how many chapters? Is that the 13 chapter or the 54 chapter version? Um, because there's two there's two versions of that one too. There's the original one. Here we go again. <laughs> Put me on the spot here. Let's see. I guess I'm not sure here. We'll have to look and see. Well, if not, you need the other one. Yes, I'll need the other one there. Yeah, so, yep. because the first the first run of that book only had 13 chapters, which ended up becoming section one. And the final run it oh, was okay. in four sections, and the first book only gave you section one of four. 
So okay. That's a highly coveted collectible prize, too. Yeah, 25 chapters in this okay. one. Okay. So. And then uh, also it, uh, in the group was a 2630-22 floppy drive. Probably that's not a, very that, good. That's a great model, yeah. 22. Yep, so. 22. One of my favorites. 22-36.22. Awesome. Great. But it, it, and it came with the controller and the uh, the ribbon cable, and it practically looks unused. Yeah, I mean, the cable put, put, bring back that floppy again. Is that the silver chassis? Yes. Yes, yeah, it let's, is. let's look at that one again. And show, like show me the red, face green plate. RGB show me, artwork. Yeah, show me the, the faceplate. Okay. So, uh, let me. Okay. Does that say color computer or does it just say TRS-80? Color computer mini disc. Right. So basically when the Coco first came out, most of the peripherals were TRS-80 Model 1 peripherals. The first floppy was that silver full height floppy. Um, and I don't even know if the first floppy had the color badge or if it still had the black TRS-80 badge. I'm not sure. But that's basically a Model 1 floppy drive, right? 35 track, uh, single sided, single density, 35. David Ladd would know he's all about the floppy. Um, (laughs) So that was my first floppy was that silver, you know, double wide one. Um, Mm -hmm. I never had the thinner ones or the sideways stackable ones or anything. And then the other thing that that I was really kind of, that I really liked about is we've seen the craft joysticks, um, but they were the cream color. This actually came with a pair that were that's actually gray. Ooh. And I'd never seen gray before. Now are these so cocoa a, crafts or are they something else crafts? Yep. Okay. No, they're, they're, they're the cocoa. Oh wow. Yep. Single and, gray. and it looks Single like button. it's got a it's got a molding there for the second button if it was to exist, like on a cocoa too, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like a little I just never seen the gray ones before. No, though. me neither. I never seen one with a wart on it there where a button should be either. So that's kind of cool. Does it have hmm. the center pin? Center pin on the connector. The connector. Oh, 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 no, it is not. Okay. Yeah, okay. there's a little. Okay, there's a little gold thing there where the that would be the pin for the second button on the Coco Three. That's ah, where that would be. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, those that was a uh, that was kind of nice that those came with it. I just never seen the gray, which kind of ties the whole package together. You know, being the oh, Coco yeah. One and everything. Absolutely. So. And that thing is and clean then, as a whistle. Yes, yeah. this is the Coco One that came with it. It's a twenty six three zero two A. Um, I. That was Canadian. the main reason why. It's 302A. Eh? <laughs> 302A. <laughs> and that was the main reason why I grabbed it up is because I didn't have one of these as part of uh, my collection. Um, but then the uh, the anomaly about this whole thing was this connector on the back here that had everybody talking. Yes. It, I don't know uh, if this yeah, will come yeah. into focus or not better, but uh, it's kind of a so weird that- connector there. There you can kind of see it. Oh, yeah. It looks it's like- a Becker port, isn't it? That looks like David Ladd's navel. <laughs> uh. And it has a little bit of a, I don't know what kind of a, but it has like a little, uh, uh, it has like a quick release. It probably spring loaded. You pull back. Yeah. And- so I haven't been able to find a connector to, to hook it up though, but what it is connected to on the inside, because everybody's wondering what it was. It was speculating. Yes. Um, it, it's a composite mod. Well, can you uh, please pronounce it with the proper composite composite mod? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> The video does work on it through a TV, uh, but the uh, composite, I have not been able to get it to work yet. Um, been checking voltages. Um, I'm not sure if it's the chip itself. It uh, looks to be an op amp that's on yeah. here. Um, it does go kind of up to a, that funky connector, so I haven't, I, not having a connector, I've had to uh, use like jumper wires to the, to, to, uh, to the video cable to 
even see if I can get anything out of it. But hmm. I've been unable to get anything out of it yet. So it's going to be kind of a work in progress. But it's kind of a spaghetti mess uh, connection here. This was actually wrapped in masking tape, which was so brittle it just fell apart by even just touching it. So, wow. it's, <laughs> so somebody had put this together. But uh, people are wondering what kind of project was on the inside. And it's uh, a composite video model. Yeah. Have hey, you tried you changing the, the plastic bag? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, this is my plastic bad, as you can this see here. It's uh, quality right? made in China. Ah, you know, yes, uh, yes. Yes. So. <laughs> that's where I get, that's where, taking, that's where I get all my pandemics the... from, too. I ordered the number 12. So, uh. <laughs> <What's> the... <laughs> have you tried What's taking the... a picture of that special jack and putting it, doing a Google image search on it? Uh, no, I've not gone that far. Or bring it, it up again. Let, let, Try let, that. Let David O'Connor get a look at that. I was wondering, David, does that look like any type of broadcast connector you've seen before? Like some type of weird RGB or BNC a little bit more. or something? It looks... There we go. Like an XLR looks, or something? Uh, it, looks more like a, it looks more like a military connector to me. Okay. Um, it's got those weird... It has, it has to look like I've seen like microphones, like in Citizen's it, it looks like they're kind of swirly, twisty connectors there. So yeah. it's not your straight-in XLRs. It's almost like a like a push and twist, like kind of like a BNC type push and twist to lock. Yeah, um, yeah that's that's what I suggested. The military thing. A lot of yeah. the military connectors had, yeah. had lockable connectors for that reason, so they're reliable, basically. Six six connectors. It looks like. Mm, yeah, looks so like there's and a center. One, two, three, four, five, and a center. So, yeah. Yeah, and they're, the the center is ground, and then they and then they're using one of each of the they're using like a pin. Well, let's see, they're using like a pin here and a pin there to uh, uh, for the audio. Now the oh, audio does work. We just um, been so, told by Tim Franklin this is what's known as the CNC. So we have the BNC, which is the British Naval Connector. This is the CNC, the Canadian <laughs> Military <laughs> Connector. So yeah, so. <laughs> is that what you use to hook into a CNC machine? Yes. This, uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> and listen to CNC Music Factory while you're at it. So. Uh, um, the uh, the audio is making it to the jack because I've checked that, so okay. I, we are getting audio, but yeah. uh, I haven't been able to get video yet. What's the uh, part number on the on the op amp? Is it like? Uh, it's an LM. Uh, it's a it's a two uh, two M two four eight, or it's an LM three ten N. I I've searched for both of them. And oh, three ten N. Yeah, that's it. Yep, and yeah, they both end up as an op amp. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I might try replacing that, or I might just pull the composite mod out of it and call it good. So LM310N, um, you should be able to, uh, that's, I think it's a single up amp, uh, might have compensation. You, you should be able to replace that with, with uh, if you can't find one with um, a compatible device. The main thing is to make sure the bandwidth is high enough for video. Okay. So whatever, I'll check that out. There's this, said, uh, yeah, there's this sure ground wire that's kind of hanging here that I'm not sure what it goes to, but uh when I check the other cables, they are making everything to ground. Uh, voltage is, is making it to the pins. So it might just be a bad chip. And and the Cocoa, other than that, works fine, and the RF out is good and everything? Correct. Yeah, yep. that's, a, that's a super clean Cocoa. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, the inside of it is very clean. Um, yeah. Uh, everything works on it just fine. Yeah, so, I mean, that yeah. silver paint finish is real shiny there, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. the nicest Cocoa one I've seen in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. It looks, looks almost brand new. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. The warranty has been voided. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Yeah. Someone uh, broke the no. seal. Yep. And we are, uh, we are missing one foot, too. That uh -oh. was, uh, that was uh -oh. one thing. So I'll have to get that replaced. So, so but uh, yeah. Those are easy. Those, those type of feet are still made. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So nice. Close, so. nice. 
Nice pickup. Now somebody else, somebody else grabbed the. Uh, there was an X pad that went on sale this week or this past week for sixty bucks. Yeah, it was. Uh, I saw that it was like for sixty dollars. Yeah. Yep. Nothing. And uh, looking at the pictures, that that was brand new. Because yeah. usually the card, that card that goes around the outside where you can pick the different colors. Usually yeah. It's all marked up with pen marks and things right, like that. Right. 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 That um, really good. That stencil looking thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was tempted by that one, but I, I have one that's out of a box, and then I have a brand new one in a box. That's my. Uh, saver and it's like eh, i don't need another one so. okay cool cool all right well, and then i have another project i'm gonna kind of I'll, I'll probably put some pictures on for for next week there but uh, i'll hold up on that so okay did anybody That's else have got, anything sir? they wanted to show off anyone else show and tell anyone I've, anyone i've got a little i don't have any so much show and tell but i've got an announcement to make an announcement to make okay oh. dun, 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 dun. yeah do we have a special intro for that? Ah, uh, we'll probably <laughs> do. That will uh... go ahead, David. Um, yeah, I, I'm in the process. I, I almost finished uh, redoing my studio, and uh, I've got a new album that I've finished the mastering work. It'll be released this week. Um, I've actually got three albums that I'm working on, but that's not my announcement. That's just a little sidetrack thing there. The announcement is um, I have a new domain name that I've just registered. I haven't done anything with it yet, but I'm planning on doing some big things with it. Um, and I think it's a pretty cool domain name. It's uh, 6809cpu.com. Oh, neat. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be putting... I've got 6809cpu.com because I've got a number of projects here, not just Coco-related, that um, use the 6809. In the studio here, I've got a number of synthesizers with the 6809. Um, but I've also teamed up with the original sales and tech guy from Fairlight in Australia, and we are restoring the original Fairlights at the moment. So I'm going to have Fairlights here in my studio, and they're all based on the Series 2X was based on multiple 6809 CPUs. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's – that's. Uh, I've always that wanted to, awesome. to have a Fairlight. Now I'm going to be actually working restoring them, so it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Videos, please. Yes, there will definitely be videos coming. And Those I'll be using very – those are very oh, uh, back in the day. Oh, if if you wanted like to buy, to buy series, my name, if you wanted to buy a Series Two X back in the uh, in the eighties, it cost the same amount as a, as as the average house. Um, could you? Uh, what is a Ferrolite? Is that a type of keyboard or? Yeah, the the Fairlight CMI. Um, CMI stands for Computer Musical Instrument. Was the first. Um, Hardware-based sampler synthesizer. It, 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 you, pro you may have seen them. There's like a, a, a trapezoidal-shaped um, CRT screen with a light pen, and you can touch on the screen with the light pen and you know create sequences. Peter Gabriel used it. Kate, Kate Bush used it. Tears for Fears used it. Just about everybody. Herbie Hancock. Just about anybody who was anybody in the 80s um, used a Fairlight at some point if they were in a big studio. Um, Peter Gabriel. Most of the effects. Yeah, most of the effects for the movie Aliens were done on a Fairlight by uh, the director and his wife at the time in their living room. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Fairlight was a, 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 it was a, an Australian invention, um, huge success. It was the forerunner to to all the other samplers that come out afterwards, the the, the budget cutting ones, the basic ones. But mm. the big unit was always the Fairlight, and it, wow. it's based on the two X is based on multiple sixty sixty eight oh nine CPUs. Each card in them, there's like eight or 16 voice cards in them. Each card has got a single um, 6809. The main um, computer is based on dual 6809s going together. Um, so, yeah, the, the reason for getting 6809cpu.com was because I want to obviously incorporate all my Coco stuff. 
right. Coco ones and the Coco threes that I've got here, but also put stuff about the about other musical instruments such as the Fairlight um, that also use the sixty eight hundred nine CPU. Neat. Excellent. Yeah. So would these things have like a MIDI on it that you could use your Coco to control them or do things with them? Or oh, absolutely. The the, the, the Fairlight's got it's got multiple media in and out. It's got Simpty time code in and out. It's it's it, you can synchronize it to just about anything. Anything if you if you can think about something to do in a studio with a with a musical instrument, a sampler and a and a and a, and a synthesizer, you can do it with the Fairlight plus more. Neat. It's just one of the most incredible instruments ever made. It's, and it's all over 80s music. You listen to any of the 80s hits and you're just about guaranteed to hear Fairlight. Very, very cool. Uh, who else had something they wanted? Was there somebody oh, else? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, there's one, one more? Little, one more? Okay. Yeah, one, one quick little thing, just getting okay. back to the books. That were, I don't know if you uh, can... Let me, let me spotlight you again. Sorry about that. You are back. The uh, I have multiple copies of the Getting Started books. Nice. That's that's from two different computers, and they both okay. got computer color computer two written on them. Okay, but the ones that had color computer one and color computer two were actually the original ones. That yes. one there, nice. as, as you can see there, that says TRS eighty color computer. Oh, when it has color spelled it's wrong, spelled. To it. it doesn't say yeah. color. Yeah, yeah, but we can fi- we can fix that. I've got another one here. This one here has color computer. Color, there we go. We have it now. Oh, see, there's another variation for him to collect. Yeah, so I have a soundbite for that. Hold on one second while I play the soundbite. Color. It sounds like you're saying the word color, but with the U in it. Yeah, you guys couldn't hear it because I wasn't hearing sound. That's fine. All right, Uh, right, so we did it. Yeah, on on there it's also got color computer too. Okay. Color. It was the getting started one that had the one and two in it, from what I can tell. Um, All of the the, uh, going ahead ones that I've got basically had color computer two written on them. So I don't know whether there was a, a color computer one of the extended basic. Maybe oh yeah. There was, yeah. It, it, it just said, it didn't say two. It just said going ahead of standard color basis for your color computer. There was no number after it. Kind of yeah. like, kind of like must... they didn't call the first movie jaws one. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Neat, 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 neat. Okay. Uh, anybody else had anything to share? Would anybody like to share their feelings? How are you feeling right now? Anybody want to share their feelings? Anyone? No? Does David want to, would you like to purchase my handle? Your handle? Oh, yeah. he has, his, his screen name is Mr. 6809. He will be willing to. Oh, yeah, Mr. right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to upgrade anyway to the 63, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, I was I was contemplating that because everybody, a lot of people are using 6309s in place of their 6809. I thought, is the 6809 going to be you know relevant to keep that domain? And I thought, yeah, of course it is because that's that's the CPU that we all know. Don't let them bully you. The original. The original. The original. All right, so we're going to take a quick commercial break, pause for the cause. We're going to come back. We're going to do some news, and then we're going to put a fork in this thing and put us all out of our misery. But thank you all for still being with us on the panel. And if you have to go, you have to go. we got 46 people watching us live right now. To each and every one of you, we're sorry. And we'll be back after these words. And now these messages. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. Good night. This is Nick Marionettes. Crikey. After you buy Gunstar... Stop right there. Okay, fine. After you bought Gunstar... 
go ahead and buy your copy of the Coco Fest edition of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. It's a quarter of the quality at half the cost. ESP 8266-01 RS232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4-pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP DriveWire 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 This portion of Coco Talk brought to you by Placeblex Dietary Supplement Placeblex Thought to help you with your floppy life. In a world where hard drives rule and floppies are superfluous, one man, one legend, one old fart dared to learn the floppy and took the brunt of jokes then all hard drives and SSDs died but the floppy survived and the only man who knew floppies became a legend once more. Floppy Life, the David Ladd story. This summer, straight to YouTube. 8-slot MPI, floppy drive, Coco SDC, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the 4-slot MPI. David Ladd. Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Curtis. And now a Muppet News Flash. All right, and we're back. And L. Curtis Boyle could not be with us today, so in his stead, you will have L. Stevie Stroh trying to not <laughs> butcher the news for you this week. We got a lot of news to cover. We've got game on to cover, and um, Roger Voss has been asking a lot of questions in the live chat. And I apologize, Roger. We're trying to stay on topic of what we're talking about here, but you've got a lot of questions and comments and kind of discussions going on. If we have enough time, we'll get to a little Q and A session too um, to to cover because we definitely want to make sure the purpose of us having a live show is to be able to hopefully have discussions for people who are watching us. So to that end. We are going to go ahead, and and there's a lot of news happening this week, and, and L. Curtis Boyle has curated this for us. So I'm going to switch over my screen right now to show off the browser to, to some of the news items that we have to talk about. And one of them was a, a video that was put in here 
which is showing off um, a bunch of different uh, 40, 40 years of Radio Shack commercials. I think this one was posted in Facebook from uh, Carlos Camacho. And one of the commercials that he pointed out, because I'm assuming he had not seen it before, was one where they're showing Santa Claus and the elves getting the Cocoa 2 ready for Christmas and there's little kids dressed up as elves. I actually have had that commercial and have played that commercial in the past. But I don't play it all the time, but I think that's what this one here is. So let's see if that's what this is. Uh, oh, of course, it's now not going to the right part of the video. Uh, oh, no, no, I take that back. I'm not reading the notes. This is the pipe tunes. This is, um, can you help me with the notes, Marco? Because I don't have the news notes in front of me. I just, sure. have, I just have all the tabs open in the order in which uh, Curtis had them. So this one is not that. This is a, this is a person in Facebook who posted yes. this video. What's his name? Yeah. Dennis Havelina, I think, okay. has a video play seventeen Celtic fiddle and pipe tunes. And this, is, and this is being done in um, musica, musica, as we would say in Espanol, right? But uh, for us, yep. gring, for us gringos, we called it musica. It's almost like what was that game that you had, Nick Marota, that one time? Was it called um, uh, Bandit O? Was that the Bandit one? O. Bandit, Bandit o, o, right? Yeah, there's yes. a game called Bandit O out there somewhere, right? So this is uh, musica. And so these are Celtic pipe organs as played by Musica on uh, El Coco. Celtic. Celtic. And there you have it. Get out your kilts, put on your man skirt, and start dancing <laughs> a jig, all right? Let's all do it. Everyone, come on. Who's with so that using, Who's that's with using the that's using the six was that using the six bit deck or was that uh, um, an external sound card? It sounded very yeah. decky. Might be the orchestra yeah. night. Sounded, Hard to say. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Sounded yeah. very very decky. I'm, hopefully, I'm going in the right order. What what was next on the list, Mark D? Your, your videos. Okay. Your videos. All right. So this is why we need a professional news anchor like L. Curtis Boyle here to help us get through this news. So, yeah. So some jackass by the name of Stevie Stroh, who must like the sound of his own voice, put a bunch of crap up on YouTube this week. Um, so <laughs> one of those videos from that dingleberry was how to set up MAME. All right. But any idiot knows that. So why this idiot chose to make that video, I have no idea. No, but actually what happened was... Um, <laughs> I wrote, great way to sell it there, Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to want to go yes. out and get it now. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were actually talking about this. Uh, we had a Sunday chit-chat, right? So we had a very informal Discord Cocoa Talk Sunday night, and one thing led to another. And we're like, you know what? Um, we had... We were talking about MAME and how not everybody knows how to set up MAME and, and whatnot and mm -hmm. what have you. So, so I said, you know what? Maybe I ought to make a video about MAME, right? So there you go. That was part one to set up MAME and get the ROMs into the MAME folder. And then part two got into a little bit more in-depth on how to set up the keyboard emulation and be able to do stuff like that. So it was kind of two-parters. So if you are not up on the latest version of MAME and how to load ROMs into MAME and how to make MAME uh, Cocoa, for you, these videos might be of some benefit to you. Um, and then there was a third video by this jackass where he then, what did he do this time? Setting up my Coco SDC to auto boot to drive wire discs. Um, and yeah, and so this was me kind of taking the culmination of the things I had been learning, like how to drive wire. You know, so like I think last week I showed how I was using my Wi Fi SD card. 
and I could, you know, write to that card, but I could write down, but I couldn't write back up. And I said, well, wouldn't it be cool if I could write in both directions? And then uh, I figured out I could do that with DriveWire. So I'm like, all right, now I can cross-develop through DriveWire, and I can pump data into my Cocoa from my PC or from my computer on a virtual disk image. And, and, and so it's, it is, uh, it's synchronicity uh, in play there. So this was something that really helped me. And so I shared that process. Um, and then there's this other guy, thank speaking you. of yes, jackasses, but, uh, <laughs> no, but we're talking about, of course, Alan Huffman, who we all know and love. But Alan Huffman um, does uh, blogs about things, right? And the latest thing was more crazy on go-to, on go-to, go sub, and if-thens. Alan, are you still there? Do you want to speak to this a little bit, or do we put you to sleep? There well, he is. Yeah, this, this all started with a... Um a discussion of me getting back into the VIC-20 that I used to use. And it was missing statements We're like sorry. else. Am I coming through? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. 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 And, and so um, I posted something about, oh, here's uh, something that gets around that. And, of course, people start commenting. And they come up with all these crazy ways to approach doing something in basic. For instance... If you're just checking for a direction and one key is 10 and that means up and another key is 20 and that means down, you could say if the key is 10, go up. If the key is 20, go down and so on. So what happened is people started coming up with ideas to use the on go to command with arrays and leaving out values that aren't used to try to find ways to speed it up. So it's a, it's a very bizarre read of people thinking way outside the box. None of them are really practical, but there are other ways to approach jumping to arbitrary code. That's not all one, two, three, four lined up next to each other. Okay. Um, so yeah. And this is stuff that I wrote, you know, a month ago, I have posts scheduled for the next couple of weeks and people chime in and it's, it's a, hole I just can't dig myself out of. Every time something posts, there's three or four people that respond with more things I have to go down the rabbit hole and try. Wow, oh, interesting. So that's cool, though. It's definitely cool. It's interesting stuff I never thought about. Right, because so basically what you're doing is you're doing a workaround for if-then-else, which is a kind of an extended basic command that we're spoiled by, but even the MC10 doesn't. Because I remember Ken Reichard mentioning that. He ported one of his things to the MC10. He's like, well, there's no if-then-else. So he had to come up with a workaround for that. Yeah, and, uh, and a spoiler is it turns out else is something we should probably never use. It's significantly slower because basic still has to parse everything past the else command if the condition is not set. So it's a lot faster to do a bunch of if this, if this, if this on separate lines than it is to use the else command. I, okay. I never knew that either. Okay, and that's just getting into understanding how the interpreters interpret and optimizing your code to work most yep. efficiently. Can you do within- that? Can you do, can you do that if then if then on the same line like you can in um, yeah. DECB? Only if the first condition is true. If A is five, yep. then if A is six, you know, or whatever, yeah. you can you can. Yeah. That's better than using else. That was something that somebody pointed out a couple of weeks back um, that I had to blog about because that surprised me as well. Yeah, I, I read that. It was like significantly faster, like heaps faster. Yeah, I think ultimately I'm going to have a blog post about every command in BASIC. I wrote a blog post about it. Want to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> so, neat, 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 neat. So, yeah, and you've done a lot of stuff on optimizing BASIC. And, um, you know, we, we talked about that crunch program that you posted about a few weeks ago. But even before you announced that 
program, you had been doing a series on optimizing basic about renumbering things and just packing space and stuff like that. So these, these things, uh, and all these little nuggets I've gleaned from various people have helped me try to write you know, better basic programs myself too, because currently that's the only language I know. So as my projects in basic, I'm trying to make them run efficiently, you know? So I, I glean little pearls of wisdom from you guys. So thanks for doing that. Um, so what else do we have going on in the news this week? This Ron was, Klein. this was the Ron Klein video, which we did, um, which we did cover at the top of the show in the first hour. And so, um, and this was my inspiration for this week's show because this was just such a cool thing. And this just really kind of piggyback on top of all the stuff I've been doing this week. Um, so if you're going to post a link to it, this right, Mark Overholzer. Um, so this is Ron Klein's yeah. YouTube video showing how to um, use his hard drive image, how to mount it and how to pull it up in Yados on uh, on a real Coco SDC with Bank 7, kind of what we did here. I literally just replicated what he did um and and we luckily we had ron and, and brett here to talk to him about it a little bit so if you want to see that video too it's out there check it out um and then to that note here too this is the link to um to ron klein's github and in here um is a readme file there is the yados hdd image and inside there, when you extract that, there's a, there's a, I think there's a zip within a zip, but you're going to get the readme files, you're going to get the PDF manual, and then you're going to get the VHD that you have to extract, which is your virtual hard drive. I got VHD once, shot a penicillin, cleared it right up. Um, so, um, so yeah, your virtual hard drive that you can mount to, to do that with. And so that's all here on Ron Klein's GitHub. We will be posting that link in the live chat. And also this week as an added bonus at no extra charge, all of these links are actually in the description of this video because I was able to squeeze them in. So the links are already there. So if you're reading the video description, we already have show notes here for you. So boom, now how much would you pay? So thank you, Ron Klein, for putting that together. Um, now this is a cool article from the Coco mailing list. And so the short story of this is, this is explaining what Nick Morentes did with his latest version of Donut Dilemma. I have to remember the real name. I'm so used to calling it Donut Disaster. But Donut Dilemma, when he re-released this with Gunstar, he has a Coco 3 version that has better palettes and got rid of the black, made the border black, right? So one of, Nick, one of Nick's chief complaints was, I hate seeing a white border on an arcade game because arcade machines didn't have white borders. And in a Coco 3, excuse me, in a Coco 1 and 2 graphics mode, even though we can use the palette command to switch the palettes on your different things, we can't change the border of the VDG screen modes. So how do you fix that? You put it in a comparable Coco 3 mode where we can use the palette command to change the border color and the four colors that we have there. And so this is a really interesting write-up with code examples, etc. that was in the mailing list by... Uh, Stephen Wallace, or Wally, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. So he explains how it works. He gets into some basic code telling you what to poke, and he gets some examples of some programs here. But this program can theoretically patch games to run on the Coco 3 with better looking colors and without the white border. So it's a cool little project, and it's a write-up to explain what Nick Morentes did. Does that make sense? Did I do a decent job? Explain uh, that to you, you guys. Did. Uh, the only thing is, I have tried that program that he's got there. He's got a sample uh, disk there, and it didn't work for me. So I don't know. Mm. I'm waiting to see if he replies um, to his um, messages, but yeah, it didn't work for me. So I don't okay. know what's going on. 
But but essentially, this is explaining kind of what you did. It, yeah, it's okay. the same idea generally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so that's a cool idea. So if you're not on the Cocoa mailing list, check it out. And and Mark will post the link where you can read the write up, even if you don't subscribe to the listserv. Already done. It's there. Thank you, Mark. Oh, this is the Tandy commercials. So this was a compilation of. Is this the one that um, that um, Carlos Camacho posted in Facebook? Yep, Carlos okay. Camacho. So nice. Carlos Camacho posted this in the Facebook group. It is a it is a compilation of Tandy commercials, and we have it queued up to the part where it's playing a commercial that probably not a lot of people have seen, but it's a Radio Shack Christmas commercial with Santa and elves. And so for your viewing pleasure, here it is. So this is a variety of retro commercials from a variety of systems from probably the 80s and 90s. And so if you need some some vintage computing commercial nostalgia, uh, check it out. And the Coco is featured in there for your viewing pleasure. Um, check that out. Um, now, voice voiceover sounded very spooky in that last yeah, one. Yeah, it did. Color Computer 2, available <laughs> at Radio Shack. It's almost like creepy David Ladd. <laughs> <Rachel>. <laughs> right, so. <laughs> um, uh, now, our very own Paul T. Barton, and again, having these extra initials in your name is very important in the retro community, apparently. Um, so while Ed Snyder's working on his little project called the gimme x paul t barton said hold my beer and here's the serial x right so here is a serial port um that is going to do what i don't even know but it's got an x in it right so <laughs> i ordered to receive the flash cart and program this and uh, we need to reflash the cart if anyone's familiar with flash cart please um, it's a 16 550 means it's got a 16 by buffer okay so this is basically a, a serial port on steroids yep super fast super powerful serial port Okay. All right. So there you go. So the Serial X is a product will be coming to you from Barton Laboratories in the near future. Stay tuned. And if you, if you need to get in a good word, Ron Delvaux's personal friends and neighbors of Paul T. Barton, let Ron know. He'll get a message. And, and Paul's on Facebook. So there you go. Now, speaking of Gimme X and Ed Snyder, he has posted a couple of videos about the Gimme X. Basic installation of the Gimme X on a Coco 3 and a few examples featuring... Uh, if using the extended video mode. So let's see what this looks like real quick. Let's see what well, here I'm going to show you how, just to. how easy it is to install a Gimme X board in a Coco 3. Um, what we've got here is a Coco 3 with the cover off. There's a Boomerang E2 board already in there. And an 87 Gimme in the socket. Um, right here. This capacitor right here has been replaced with a low profile version that sits a little lower than the top of the socket. The original one that's in there sits up too high and interferes with the board. Um, there's more information about that on my website and stuff. But that has to be replaced first. And now to remove the gimme, you simply... Um, you need a very specialized gimme extractor tool, right? So. Like this one here. You definitely want to use that rather than try to pry it out of there by any other method. Some of these yeah. sockets are old and brittle and rather tight fitting and you can actually crack the socket. So old and brittle, like something this. we can There's all two relate corners to being, on right? the socket that allow you to <laughs> put the little jaws through there and you wanna make sure you push down on that 
and get it past the chip. Otherwise, they'll they'll jump out and scratch the top of the chip. Once you're down past the chip, it's just a matter of squeezing the puller, and it pops right out like that. So that's how you pull. What I would recommend you guys do, if you're gonna, let me just pull back, okay, if you can see where the gimme chip is, remember where pin one is on here, and remember which way this chip orients if you ever need to put it back, because it's not like your normal dips where you have a little dot or something where you know where pin one is, and so this could go, this could go in in any direction, right? No, it can't. There's no, is there a notch in there somewhere? One of the corners it's has an angle. Okay, I didn't realize that because when it, I took when I took mine yes, out, I was right really con okay. Right is that there. right there? Yep. So that's the little dog ear on the edge of the chip, then. Yep. Only goes in one way. Okay. And also, yeah. go ahead. Were you going to say something, Rick? See how the top, the whole chip is beveled to kind of emphasize where the. Ah, okay. See the shadow there? That's actually a bevel in the top of the okay, chip. Okay, that's a bevel right there. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, my bad then. I remember when I took it out, I was confused and scared. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't remember how it went back in. So, <laughs> Some of them do have a dot, which would be right above the L. Yeah, the, the one I have has a dot in the you know on the bevels side right. there. Well, I was obviously wrong. All right, mark, mark the calendars. I made a mistake. Um, all right, now here he is. He's popping it in. He's popping in the Gimme X. So this just fits in the socket where the old Gimme goes. Facebook poster didn't happen. <clears throat> so you can route it under the board like that. Then as far as putting the Gimme X in, you need to take this plug here and very carefully line it up. You want to get down and look at the plug in the socket when you're putting it together. And you can, as you move it around, you'll, you'll feel when the pins go into where they can kind of start in the little grooves that hold the contacts there. Once that's in, it's a matter of just pushing it down and it'll seat all the way down on the board. Should be very firmly in there at that point. Then we connect our upper address lanes for our RAM here. Alright, so what this is doing is this is replacing the DAT board, right? So we don't need that little DAT board under the CPU anymore for the two megs, right? So the DAT functionality is built in. Our favorite troll, Jim Brain, says you can get it to go in the socket if you try really hard. Oh, if you have if you, if you put it in the wrong way, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. Left that little elbow. So the... Uh so do you actually – one question I actually forgot to ask. I'm going to ask Ed about this because I'll have one coming. Um, I'm on the beta program, but do we have to take the DAT board out or do we just disconnect it? Can we leave it in because it, it has the buffers for the sorry, – Sorry, wrong thing. Um, can you, do you need the DAT board to be taken out? That's a good question that I don't know the answer there might to. Be, there might be an interference issue. I think – I think Richard brought that up. Is there might be interference issue? Boards might collide. Um, you obviously don't need it for the uh, the t upper two bits for the uh, two meg control. Uh, yeah, was, was, okay, Jim is saying you should take it out. So retro innovations yeah. just chimed in. You should take it out. Okay. Okay. So so no more protection buffer for the uh, cartridge slot then. Yeah. Well, you know the, the replacement CPUs are now one tenth the cost they were you yeah. know thirty years. Ago. Well, that's Quite. true. You're yeah. going, you're going yeah. commando, buddy. <laughs> you bear back in those cartridges when you put them in there. So, um, um, okay. 
So, so let's fast forward to some of the modes here. Here's his image players, and then holy sweet Jesus! Let's take a look at this. Take a look at a few of them. Oh, look at that! Just it looks like David Mad when you take away his floppies. Converted into a format that my viewer uses here. That's cool. Elf. Elf is about to die. Warrior needs food badly. Oh, that's cool. A little bit of dithering, but there's plenty of colors in that image. 73k or so piece. Oh, look at that. Man, that looks nice. It's not compressed data. Alright, so there you have it. The link to the whole video there in its entirety is there. So you can see what it's like to install the Gimme X and what some of the enhanced modes of the Gimme X look like. Obviously one of the most highly anticipated products for the Calor Computer 3 in a long time. So you check that one out. The next video is what? The main board overview. I'm not going to play the video, but we'll post the link. Um, and then obviously you know that Ed posts these links in Facebook. I'm not sure if he posts them on the mailing list, but um, links to these are um, in Facebook. We're posting them in the, in the live chat. They're in the video. They're in the description of this video. And we also, there is a Gimme X channel on our Discord server where Ed Snyder, uh, via his alias Zipster, is there. So you can ask a question to Ed Snyder directly on our Coco Discord server. So check that out. Who else besides... Here's a really dumb question. Is anybody... Is, okay, this is like asking David, is he excited for the show? David Ladd. By the way, David Ladd, are you excited to be here today? Oh, why? Yes, Stevie. I'm all excited to be here with all my friends. I just can't wait to see what else we've got stuff. Now, here's a hypothetical question. Uh, David uh, Ladd, are you excited about owning a Gimme X one day? Oh, geez, I can't wait for that extra speed. Man, you know that extra speed might just be enough that I could maybe hack the floppy controller to do ED floppies. Oh, could you imagine being able to read ED floppies on a Coco? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's easy if you try. All right, little John Lennon there for you. All right, so uh, <laughs> 80 floppies. So it's a rhetorical question, but it's like, who here is excited about getting a Gimme X? Me! All right, everybody wants one. Everybody wants a Gimme. All the kids are going to be having them. It's the latest thing. Um, yeah, so we all want a Gimme X. Gimme our Gimme X, right? Everybody so, that has a dead Gimme is going to want one for sure. Right. And then this will, this will open up a, a secondary market of the, you know, because you have to pull your existing gimme out. So now we've got some spare gimmies that we maybe you've got an extra Coco 3 that that's all it needs to come back to life. So you get a gimme X for your working machine. Now you're on the shelf machine. Now it's got a gimme you can pop in there and poof, you got a backup, right? Um, so or us poor '86 gimme folks can finally get an '87. Get, get your hands on some '87 ones, yeah. And Ooh. then Roger Voss is saying to me the most interesting thing of all about the Coco 3 computer, in addition to uh, the interesting 6309, is the gimme chip due to the DAT RAM MMU. Okay, yes, it does have a memory management unit. Um, 
Okay, I imagine a lot of gimmies being sold on eBay is what Tim Franklin's projecting now, too. So this is a little stock tip for you. Um, you know, invest in gimmies now before the prices go up, and you might just make a fortune. Um, now, on that note, uh, we have now Terry Trapp. Terry actually joined us on our Sunday Discord chit chat last week, and he was showing off how he's working on a salt chip replacement for a cocoa. So this is a little bit of electronics uh, information here for you. So here is a picture of whatever the hell this is. We got some ohms, and we got we got some squiggly lines. We've got some arrows. We've got some jiggly things. We've got some salt, some cocoa, some pepper, a little bit of paprika. I think it's a recipe. I'm not sure <laughs> what's going on here, but uh, <laughs> it's called a schematic. Stevie. Oh, it's a schematic. Is that what that <laughs> now, is? Now those so. little squiggly things, those are resistors. <laughs> and, uh, Distance is futile. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, see any pepper though. Okay. One, one horseshoe. We got we got a horseshoe. Yes, we have a horseshoe. We have we have five V's over there. We have one Q over there. Okay. So um yeah, so that's Terry's little schematic for the salt chip um doohickey that he's working on. Um he's been making a lot of cool videos. He's got he's got a garage bigger than some people's houses, I would imagine, if you've seen that. Uh it's like a freaking he could he could land a small plane in that garage. It looks like a freaking airport bunker more than it looks like a garage so he's got Is a it cool bigger setup. than ron's garage i'm not sure about that <laughs> all right so terry trap cool cool hardware electronics projects todd wallace was showing off um, booting into nitros 9 with the uh, what was the deal here this was looking like a tandy 1000 is that what the deal was marco polo uh, let's see. Who is this? Uh, Todd Wallace. Yeah, Tandy 1000 simulator video. You've seen... How do I make it big? That's what she said. All right, so here we go. And uh, there was a video a few weeks back of someone uh, booting Windows 95 um, on Coco 3. So after 48 fonts load... <laughs> 48 fonts. The mere 48 fonts. something I put together where I will boot the successor. I will emulate the successor to the Coco 3, which um, make sure that, that looks like the focus uh, is working here. That looks like the IBM font right there. That's the Tandy uh, 1000. boot the Tandy 1000. Yes, the IBM CTA font is now available on Nitro. Memory size, 512K. BIOS ROM. Oh, that is so cool. And it's got the CGA fonts there. MS-DOS. Oh, man. <laughs> that is so nice. cool. Oh, my right, God. Sure. That is what so cool. Deskmate. Uh, Do you remember that one where it had all that stuff in ROM, like DOS was in ROM on that thing? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just joking around a bit. but uh, I love the ASCII menus. I mainly just wanted to show off yeah. the uh, cool IBM CGA font in all its glory. You can see the fancy borders and lines and oh yeah all pretty like it would be on a, a real pc so just having some fun guys thanks having a blast with the new math tutor um cool stuff so that's lord dragon todd wallace he's he's given those fonts over to the project and so ease of use beta 5 has it now right is there an eou5 yeah should be an yeah. eou5 Thank you, Lord Dragon, for doing that. That was really cool. Speaking of ease of use, so Bill Noble, the uh, one of the other Canadian counterparts in the Nitrous 9 project, he is now porting the ease of use beta 5 project to run on the Matchbox Cocoa, right? And that is Roger Taylor's first 
hardware emulated project. Now he's on to the Mister, which works off the Mist doohickey. But before that, he had this version. This was an alternative to uh, Gary Baker's Coco 3 FPGA project. And so this this originally I think it was called Coco on a Chip or something, and then it became called the Matchbox Coco. So ease of use Beta 5 is being um, ported over to run on that. So if you've got a Matchbox and you want to try out the latest ease of use Beta 5, it's there for your downloading pleasure. Um, and I believe earlier on, uh, Robert Murphy was showing off Beta 5 that he was running on his Coco. Matter of fact, he's still got it open there, too. So Robert's running it. Um, now, these were, what, Dragon Books that were posted in the Dragon Group? By Rob Owen? Yep. The most yep. unused books in the world. Getting the most <laughs> from your Dragon 32. 35 programs for your Dragon 32. Dragon 32 Game Master. The Dragon 30, the Dragon Programmer. The Dragon 32 Dragon Companion. Introducing Dragon Machine Code. Um, actually, these all look really cool. I would love to have all of these. I know Brian Weasler sure as hell would like to have these, wouldn't you, Brian? Um, so... That, well, that's a cool most, collection. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, an that is an impressive uh, array of dragon books there. What do I have any of those? Um, just the, I, have, I have the manual that, that came dragon with my manual. dragon, yep. Yep. and then I have the I have one dragon book is all. So, but nothing like that. I'm so. very disappointed in you, Brian. I um, know. Let yeah. you down. All right, you let me down. All right, so cool stuff. So make sure you check out the drag the dragon group and um, and Facebook to show our European brothers some love and their machines some love. Um, so Tony Jewell, who's in the Dragon Group, I guess he had an issue where he could not get his dragon to boot. And that's a cool-looking dragon, isn't it? That black one? It's like a Darth Vader yeah. dragon, right? And that, Is that a GoTech with the little LCD, LED doohickey thingy on the side there? Uh, no, that's a development board, I think. Oh, diagnostic. Okay. A diagnostic. Ah, oh, so he's running a diagnostic board on here. So, um, so this, okay. Testing Ram and ROM. Oh, that's cool. That's a diagnostic cartridge, huh? And this is, this helped him get his dragon back to life. Let's look at what the original post heading was. It's official. My dragon works. Hoorah. Playing with my new diagnostic cart from Phil Harvey Smith. Okay. So, and there's Phil commenting on that. So neat. So that actually having an external... I remember these in the days of the PCs where you could plug in a cart into like an ISA bus slot and figure out why the thing would not post. So this seems like this is something like that for uh, for the Dragon. Yep. Neat. Neat, neat, neat. Is it... Uh, I wonder if that's um, Coco compatible, that cartridge. Uh, Should be able to be neat compatible. If it's not. That's a good question. Uh, maybe we can reach out to the guys in the Dragon group and ask them. So a formerly non-booting dragon is now booting, and we have cause to celebrate. So cool stuff Yay. there. Yay, back from the dead. Now this is Dragon Plus. Tell me about Dragon Plus, Mark Overholzer. A second display for the Dragon 3264 upgraded. Is this the kind of like the, the, uh, the ROM? Yeah, the Word the, Pack. The Word Pack. And word this pack, is the yeah. one that they're doing the games on now, too, in full color? Uh, that I don't or is that know. the Word Pack 2? So, so this is kind of like the Cocoa Word Pack, where you've got like an eighty-column display yeah, for 80 CPM column, and word processing and stuff, right? right. Plus, this has a RAM drive also. Oh, RAM. Okay, eighty-column monochrome display works with OS nine Flex. Edit one twenty-eight frees up RAM for OS nine Flex. Adds video RAM on board and is dedicated sixty-four K RAM disk. 
can be used as an additional RAM drive. How much would you pay? But wait, there's more. If you act now, we'll throw in the bamboo steamer and a set of Ginsu knives. So 80, it's got one of these little upside down L things with the slash through it. I'm not sure what planet that's from, but what is that symbol? Is that the, is that the uh, pound symbol? That's the British pound the British symbol. British pound symbol. Okay. So it is 80 pounds which is what? That's about uh, 16 ounces to a pound times 80. That's about, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, what is that in dollars? Like $90 or something like that, 100 bucks, give or take? Uh, I don't know where the pound sterling is right now. Yeah. Somebody could probably look that up and tell us. So that is, uh, so that's a cool, uh, similar thing that the Coco has for the Dragon, but this is kind of like, as it's called here, Dragon Plus, right? So not only is it just 80 columns, but more RAM and everything else. And it's compatible with OS 9. Ooh, very cool. Nitrous 9, right? Flex, you name it. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Dragon Plus board. Now, are you guys familiar with Marlon Lee? Yes. Marlon Lee on YouTube, right? So Marlon Lee has been around since... Actually, here, let me figure out how long Marlon Lee has been around. I need to go... I'm just going to open up his, his main channel. Did you know um, him, Stevie? I never met him personally. We've exchanged YouTube comments... When did it say he joined YouTube? He joined long. YouTube in 2006. Yeah, a long right. time ago. That was a long time ago, especially in the days of YouTube, right? So Marlon Lee has been on YouTube for 14 years. I didn't get into YouTube until 2015. So he had a nine-year jump on me. And so he's been doing retro stuff, and he's got a lot of Coco stuff. And what I like about Marlon Lee's videos is that he always uses real hardware, a lot of his earlier videos look like he just plugged a cocoa into a VCR, recorded it on a VHS tape, and then did an analog capture of that. So it had a very retrograded analog look and feel to it. It wasn't on an emulator. It wasn't all shiny and crisp and pretty. It looked very period correct. You know, his videos are like that. So um, there are no bells or no whistles. It's just him showing the game and talking about the game. And he's got a huge following. He's got over 2,000 subscribers. And anytime he posts a video, the comments roll in. Everybody's like, I love your video. And, and since he's not posted in a while, the fact he's posting again is kind of cool. So I'm sure some of the comments are going to be, it's great to see you making videos again, right? So Marlon Lee is one of the original OGs of putting Coco stuff on YouTube. And so highly encourage you to check out his channel and, and, and his, tons of his videos. And so he's released a bunch of them this week. So one of them is, um, what's the DICOM game called? Pump Man? I believe it's called Pump Man for the Coco. Pump Man. Pump Man, Pump Man yes. So he's showing his video of Pump Man. And it's only three and a half minutes. We won't play the whole thing. But we'll just get into it for a second here. Cool little the intro. intro. The intro, yeah. Hey guys, yeah. today we have. Yeah, Mark. Ben Drake yeah. said that uh, the current uh, exchange rate, 80 great, great British Britain pound, is this uh, $97.25. $97.25. Also, you forgot uh, game on uh, point number one. What do you mean? You skipped on to number two for the news, the game on news. So. Oh, did I? What did I forget? Uh, reminder time is running out for the Amigos Coco show. Oh, because ben I didn't have that in a tab. Sorry. And I don't have the ah. notes in front of me. So why don't you handle that for us, Marco? Okay. Just a reminder, public service announcement here, that uh, the uh, time is running out for the Amigos Coco show Gunstar giveaway. Simply leave a review of their show on iTunes to enter. 
So right. look for uh, right. the Coco Show on iTunes. Look for and the Coco Show on iTunes. And while you're there, let's let's steal that thunder and ask you to do one for us too, right? For Coco Talk on iTunes and leave a review there because apparently that helps. It's kind of like the search engine optimization, the SEO of the podcast world. iTunes is the gold standard, and so if you leave reviews on iTunes, other pod pullers will find that and give it more, you know, give it a higher chance to be picked up by other podcast things at all. It's a win-win. It's a win-win, right? So, so check out the Coco show on iTunes, give them a review and you can win a free sealed wrap copy of Nick Morenti's Gunstar drawn completely at random. Sorry. Thank you about that. Crikey. Crikey. All right. So Marlon Lee's released a video for pump man. Pump man for the color computer. Obviously a dig dug clone. Uh, it's actually not a bad one. It moves a little slow, and there's not a lot of sound with it. But the big thing, as you can see right here, all the pookies and all the dragons are coming at you right away. You don't have a chance to really set them up. You have to be getting away from them pretty quick. All right, so that's what that's what Martin Lee's videos are like. It's just the game and him talking about the game. There's no fancy picture-in-pictures, nothing like that. It's just all Coco Gaming. Um and it's good, right? This is good old fashioned retro videos on YouTube at their finest. So check it out. Uh, so he's. I, done, act, yeah. I actually watched all his videos before I found you. Yeah, Stevie. yeah. So, um, so we got that. He did a game called Zeus, which I'm actually not familiar with by name. So let's take a quick look at this. Um, what is Zeus? Today we have Zeus from Park Software for the color computer. This is the ad as it was shown in Rainbow Magazine. As you can see, it really tell, shows you nothing of the game. <laughs> it just has a description, which obviously <laughs> is going to make it sound as good as possible. I always figured it probably wouldn't live up to the description, and I must say I'm right. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it nothing like is a mildly fun huh? game to play for short periods of time. The problem is it's rather brutal and it stops on, stomps on you very quickly. Uh, supposedly Zeus is up there and not shown and is throwing lightning bolts at you. Oh, I remember you have this. To shoot them down before they get down to you. And as you lose up energy, use up energy, you uh, lose range. So you can't just sit there and just keep firing. You have to. And some strategy. Use your uh, shots wisely. Shield that helps. But that's pretty cool, actually. I don't think I played that game. That's what I like about you know, like a lot of these videos that Curtis will find and show us in the news. They're games I wasn't familiar with, and it's like, yeah, I need to check that out one of these days. You know, so I'll have, we'll have to see if that's on the Coco SDC. It looks cute, brings, right? Brings back memories of the Xenix. Yeah. Yeah, so that's neat. I am not familiar with that game. And then another one he just did is, is what he calls a Missile Command Clone. I wish he would title the actual Coco name in the video. He just calls it Missile Command Clone. So let's see which one this is. Defense. It's is called Defense. Defense. Okay, we've seen Defense before, right? This one this one is very similar to Polaris. Uh, it looks a lot like Polaris, but it uses a single PMO4 screen. The obvious uh, comparison to this one is Polaris from Radio Shack. Uh, Polaris had two advantages to it. Uh, it used the keyboard for firing so that you had all three missile bases in play and you could fire from whichever missile base you wanted to. This one uses the trick that most ports and clones of Missile Command use where you have one base in the center and it's 
single button fire, right? But cool stuff. Yeah, I like that game too. That's a good one. I like it because the sound effects kind of happened while the explosions were happening. So that kind of white noisy explosive sound was there and it didn't slow down the game action too much. So this is a good, I'd consider spiritual successor to Polaris. But Polaris, honestly, is probably the, one of the better Missile Command clones in general. And then the fact that it was released in the early days of the Coco, ran in 4K of RAM, and took those two different four-color modes and just bent the hell out of how we could use those four colors to simulate palette registers and stuff and give you so many variants on foregrounds and backgrounds and stuff is utterly impressive. So to this day, I think Polaris really deserves a, a lot of accolades for doing that because it's a good game and it really exploited the limited colors we had in a very effective way, you know, as far as creating some variety and diversity and stuff. But so I like I like Marlin's style because he just tells it how it is. And it's like, well, <laughs> I love that comment. Well, I read the ad. I didn't think it was going to be as good as the ad. And I was right. You know, that's cut and dry, right? Journalism right there, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, check out Marlon Lee's channel for, um, you know, going back to what, 2006, uh, worth the quality uh, retro videos. Here's another one. This, this is one was... Um, Kind of a Moon Patrol clone by Mike Lustig. This one was what? What the hell was this one called? Um, um, kind of like... Oh, he's, he's done a few of them. So he's showing a few of them off, right? So there was the one where you were in the Jeep, and there's the other one where this is Mike's... Um, Peter? Yeah. This one is uh, Moon Hopper. Moon Hopper. Released by uh, Computerware and written by M.G. Lustig. The other one is Desert Patrol. Desert Patrol. Released by Arcade Animation Incorporated and written. And this is I Desert Patrol here. Looks surprisingly similar, but just a Jeep. No longer are we in As a... As I say, neither one of these games is an exact copy of uh, Moon. Cool stuff, right? All right, all right, all right, all right. Very cool stuff. Good job, Marlon Lee. Check it out. What else have we got in the news? So this is an update. We talked about Roger Taylor. We talked about the um, Matchbox Coco. This is the Mister project that emulates. Uh, so the Mist was something that people were using to emulate. I think originally like an Amiga 500, right? So the Mist is a uh, kind of an FPGA hardware. I kind of call it like digital silly putty because it can become anything you want, right? You can load up different cores to it and it can be any type of system you want. So I know I've seen people use Mist to emulate. I think the original one is for an Atari ST. And then that kind of got morphed into a Amiga 500 project. And now with this new Mister, it's really easy to put in a, uh, a SD card and make it whatever you want. It can be an arcade machine. It can be an, a, a vintage computer. And so Roger Taylor's been working on one for the Coco. And he's added a 128 megabyte RAM module. We're worried about two megabytes right now on a boomerang board. This is hold my beer, 128 megabytes, right? <laughs> so... Um, so let's see what that looks like. Can you even imagine 128 megabytes of RAM? It's easy if you try. Um, so what's <laughs> it going to do? Cosmic Ambush. And so you just pulled from a drop-down menu, kind of like in MAME, a disk image that's now mounted in this virtual Coco. Nobody's ever going to need any more than 64K of RAM. I know, right? <laughs> now I'm not sure how this is going to show us that it has 128 megabytes of RAM but it does oh that's a Nick Morenti's one 
This is all crazy talk, guys. Crikey's. Crikey's. <laughs> it's a Nick Morenti's game. Crikey's. Um, so he's showing off. And, and, and this is a great test of emulation because um, now look at this. Let's see how it handles the flicker here. All right. So here's a problem that I have trying to run this on my capture board because I'm losing some of the frame rates. I can't even see this on running through my HDMI capture because of the way Nick was doing the flickering back in the old days of doing this. It, it, that spaceship flickered, but it flickered so fast you didn't notice it on a CM8, but it flickered fast enough that my capture device was missing those frames and wasn't seeing the ship. So when I try to play this game on real hardware through my HDMI capture, I can't see the spaceship here. So um, Roger Taylor's emulation has got that flicker down to where we can see it in the emulator no problem, and it looks really good there. So um, cool stuff. And so he's going through a plethora of games, and so this is where you can really tell if you're going to break an emulator because that's the kind of the problem we're having right, even right now this week with, with Grabber, right? So the problem with Grabber was that um, Grabber would not run on a 6309. It crashed, but in the emulators with a 6309, it ran. So sometimes you have to, it's good to try these different programs that really push the hardware in different directions to make sure our emulation, and if it, if it runs in an emulator and it doesn't run on real hardware, then the emulator is not accurately emulating everything. You know what I mean? And that's a problem with VCC sometimes too. You can do things in VCC that would not work on a real Coco. So um, it's cool to test this and, and it's a lot of good benchmarks are like some of Sockmaster's demos because those things really push the gimme and stuff. So when you're doing these emulated projects, some of these things are great things to show off, right? Uh, has anybody anybody here on the panel have an emulator? I, um, I think Ron Klein does. I don't know if Ron's still there if we put him to sleep. But um, I think Ron has had a Coco, F a Coco 3 FPGA before. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Um, I do have the Coco 3 FPGA. I did sell my Matchbox some time ago just because I, I just didn't have time to use it all. But uh -huh. the Coco 3 FPGA, um, you know, it's, it's pretty compatible. There's, there's, it's not 100% because I don't think it runs what they call a cycle-accurate 6809 core. Okay. I'm not trying to sound too geeky here. Yeah, but, yeah, no, that's um, fine. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Cool. But so you ha you do have some experience with one of the hardware emulated platforms. Anybody else got one? Anybody got a an FPGA or a Matchbox or anything like that? Yeah, I've got the Matchbox and the Mister Coco. Okay. And what do you think of them, Alan? Well, the Mister Coco is still in the box. I'm hoping to do an unboxing on Coco Talk some week. Okay. And yeah. and the Matchbox Coco is um, there's. It's more difficult to get things in and out of it than it is to put cards in my Coco SDC. But by far, I just, I love it. I would rather put all my time using it than the real Coco and save the real Coco. As soon as I can get anything in and out of it in a more uh, easier way to do it, I, I'm going to use it as my prime development system and only use the color computer itself for testing so I can maybe make it last longer. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and, and and that gets into a discussion that we don't have a lot of time to finish today, but it's like, you know, there's a lot of different schools and thought on real hardware versus emulated hardware, and when are we crossing the line if you have this hardware-emulated Coco that can do more than a real Coco can, which the Coco 3 FPGA certainly can, and which the Matchbox can. You have these hardware Coco, you know, solutions or replacement solutions that are more than a Coco, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. 
Well, it's it's also emulating with one of these pieces of hardware feels like you're using a machine. Your keyboard is different. Your mouse is different. Mm -hmm. But you turn it on, it's instantly there. It's there. There's no alt tabs, no Windows notifications, nothing popping up. It never gets sluggish because other things happen in right. the background True. on your computer. True. It feels like using a real machine, except you've got an alternate keyboard. And that's what I like about it is I, I, the experience feels so much closer to using real hardware than an emulator sitting in a window on my Mac. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. And, and you know, I, I think there are people are going to have different preferences as far as what solutions they want to use. And it's not... And I, I made this discussion on air one time, and I think somebody commented on, on YouTube, and we kind of got, and it wasn't a bad discussion, we got into a civilized discussion where I mentioned, for me, it, it doesn't make sense to me at this time. A lot of things haven't made sense to me, and I've changed my tune, but right now, spending $200 on a hardware box to, to be a Coco, um, when I have a real Coco, I don't see much need to spend that money right now. I would rather spend a hundred some odd dollars on like the Gimme X and still have the real Coco and still be able to do a couple of cooler bonus things too. And it's not that I'm right or wrong. It's really about the individual's need and preference. And the great thing is we've got so many choices. And and so my my hashtag is there's no wrong way to Coco. How you Coco you you Coco how you want to Coco right? But just Coco. So um, real Coco software emulated hardware emulated just Coco right. At least we have choices. Yeah, absolutely. Choice is a good thing. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so that's just a demo of that. It's a cool project, and I might change my mind sometime later. But right now, like I haven't even messed with the Cocoa Pie yet. I have it, and it's cool. But I haven't messed. With, part of it's just having the time to mess with all these things, right? So this is Michael Pitsley, who's in Facebook. He's also on Discord, and he's been doing these cool demonstrations of these Disney. Ed edutainment titles that are multimedia, early multimedia, because we're using the audio on, motor on, you know, manipulation of the cassette relay and playing pre-recorded audio through the computer speaker. So this was one of the earliest times where we heard, you know, real audio coming out of our computer at a time that digitized audio wasn't real feasible. So it's a cool thing. This one is called Mickey, uh, Walt Disney Space Probe math whenever i hear space and probe i start to well disney's uh, space probe and why is yeah my it's the disney black math. hole movie this yes. is a problem solving for the movie area and parameter activity one all right so let's just fast forward to maybe some of the video where it's playing yeah it has music from the movie and everything ah. three thousand six hundred square meters the answer is always in square measurements square inches square centimeters and so on there you go. And that almost sounded like the Richard Kiley guy from Jurassic Park, right? The voice you're hearing is Richard Kiley. We spared no expense, right? So that's a very cool announcer voice <laughs> there. Um, I like those things. Um, so he's got one of those. Now, here we go. Here's a surprise. If you guys weren't thinking this was even possible, but Jim Gary's managed to crank some things out this week. Um, so this is one that is called Chairman of the Board. It is a Commercial simulation program from the VZ200 Giant Book of Games by Tim Hartnell and great Greg Glenn Pringle, kind of like the potato chips, right? So um, is this kind of like Monopoly Simulator? I'm not sure what kind of game it is. Chairman of the Board. Okay, so it's like a business simulation. Huh? Your workforce is now 11 strong. You are paying them 16.32 each. 
The wages bill this week is, wow, this is like budgeting and financing, right? So this is, uh, these are some really important life lessons here. So that's a cool port that Jim did. Um, another one uh, is called The Golden Flute um, and The Great Escape and How to Write Adventure Games by um, Delon T. Horn. So that's a cool looking title screen there. The Golden Flute. And then we get into the fact that it's... Oh, this kind of reminds me of Forest of Doom a little bit, right? You got your little map on the side. You got some menus on the side. I don't know how he gets such good audio out of that MC-10, but what he's doing with that six-bit deck <laughs> is just absolutely amazing. So um, so that's a cool... I like text adventures. Here's a text adventure. Cool job. Now, this one is a crossover somehow. Help me set this up, Mark Overholzer, because this also involves Darren Ottery, who is uh, Nick and, and David O'Connor's neighbor in Australia, and he's the one who did the Blue Monday thing. Yeah. And so what's the story here? It says uh, Micromania 2. It says, converting a game from an Australian Cocoa magazine in 1985, originally written by Darren Ottery, the Blue Monday uh -huh. the guy. Uh -huh. It was an updated by both Jim Gary and its original author, Darren, in April of this year. Okay, so Jim Gary ported it, and then um, Darren helped work on it. So it's it's an it's an it's an it's like a remastered special edition of a game that existed on the Coco now running on EMC ten and ported by Jim Gary and and, and added to by Updated. the original author. So cool stuff. Yeah. Let's see what it looks like. Let's see what kind of good Oh, good Australian music. Good eye. Good eye today we're gonna play a game here. It's a beauty of a game. All right, after 35 years, this update you've been waiting for, Micromania 2. It's a beauty. It's a classic type-in from Australia. It's from We're the Coco Micro Magazine. All right. Darren Ottery and Jim Garrett. The video's on you, Stevie. The video's on me. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm not seeing. We're not seeing the video. Ah, shit. <laughs> Hold on. I didn't go to my left screen. There we go. Sorry about that. Tight. There we go. There we go. I have to start all over with my bad Australian accent again. Good eye. Welcome to... <laughs> oh, what is this stuff? It's like a Pac-Man clone. Let's go back a little bit. Darren I got too many screens going on here. I need Curtis. Curtis! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the, the yellow dot on the left is eating dots, and the red dot over there is chasing him. So this is kind of like a Pac-Man-ish, maybe like a Wizard of War. Oh, you see how it exploded like that? It kind of melted Yeah, down. the, the Pac-Man. Yeah, the Pac-Man thing. All right. Micro-mania. Crikey. <laughs> That's a didgeridoo, isn't it? Didgeridoo. Didgeridoo. <laughs> So I guess you clear the round by eating all the dots and avoiding the red square that's chasing you. I see no energizers. Let's see if it. No, it uses Duracells. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. So that's a cool. That's a cool crossover tie-in between Jim Gary, the Porter of Things, and Darren Ottery, the original, uh, the original author. And, and incredible music he's getting out of that MC-10. If only our Cocoa developers could, could pull this off. 
Um, <laughs> good job. Now here's a video from a YouTube channel called Chinny Vision or Chinese as a Chinny. Probably Chinny. Not from the hair on my chinny chin chin. So I am not familiar with this channel, but what how it came in, on our radar is it's five games on the Tandy, and it's the proper spelling of Calor Computer Two. And so let's see what they're talking about here. So we are talking about a handful of cartridges. On complication because Tandy published the games, and they also made sure that you needed their joysticks to play their games, and you also needed to have two amazingly for some games so i've had to order up two adapters from the usa which i got rather now that looks a lot like the boyson adapter that would be the 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 paragon the paradigms um but of course what he may or may not be aware of is that would be digital only in some of these analog analog lost lost. yeah 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 the stream stream's gone the stream is gone yeah we've crossed the streams and we crossed the streams all right well my, yeah, my light is green again on... Uh, yeah, I was having a weird issue. It was buffering on YouTube. I was trying to show this, and it was buffering. It wasn't coming up. All right, so anyways, there's, there's a whole bunch of games here. Uh, Canyon Climber. I'm hearing some echo coming through the stream. Somebody check that out. Dino Wars, you name it, it's there. Um, next on the list, this is Sheldon McDonald, who I have some of his joysticks uh, from. Sheldon McDonald had a farm um and so <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah, trying yeah. to think of the other day. oh and yep. it looks like we got a bunch of tiles here and then from those tiles come this look at that we got uh horizontal scrolling we got like some animated dudes we got f- like fire pits um that is pretty cool Sheldon is doing a lot of cool stuff. Not only does he make those cool joysticks, but if I, and I'm getting Sheldon and Todd Wallace confused, but who's the one that does all the background music stuff too, where he's got the Game Master cartridge playing music in the background while you're still in basic? Is that Sheldon? Yeah, I think that's Sheldon. Yeah. Okay. So this is a cool this is a cool looking little thing where he's got he set up some tiles and now he's showing a kind of a scrolling demo with a bunch of bad guys and you flying across the screen. So that looks pretty cool. I can't wait to see what else he does with that. Um, now, this is Pear Surratt, and this is in the Dragon Group. And for you guys, Sheldon says, yep, that's me. Okay, he's out there. Hey, Sheldon. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm, I'm just I'm brain dead. So you also uh, Steve Param, but yeah, let's do Peter Pear Surratt. Did I miss somebody? I don't have it in my yeah. tab. Okay, Steve Parman, Par- Parham. Okay. All right. So we were talking a few minutes about go about the Dragon Plus, right? So the Dragon Plus is a um, kind of a word pack, 80-column text. This is one that's kind of like a Dragon Plus on steroids because it has color and a bunch of other stuff. So, so Pear, who works on CMOX, among other things, has also been working on the a- a- Arcade Game Designer, is that AGD. Right, he's been working on that project, and he ported all those AGD games to run on the Coco and the Dragon. Well, he's now taken a Coke, uh, an AGD port to take advantage of color because those were designed for the Spectrum. The Spectrum had color, um, and so now with this kind of word pack type thing that um, is out there, it's got a lot more color and a lot more features. So let's see what an AGD port looks like with real colors. Foggy's Quest. Look at that. That's beautiful, isn't it? Nice. 
And so this still looks like the AGD games. You know, the AGD games had this kind of fixed path that the creatures would kind of move on and stuff. But the fact it's got more color makes a huge difference, you know? The, the fire pits down there. The, the background music is amazing too, right? I'm pretty sure that's not coming from the dragon. I'm not sure if that's copywritten music or not, so we'll mute that. They, um, they added a synth chip to it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's a neat-looking thing. And so now what is the output on this cartridge? Is this composite or is this coming out of some other RGB-type? Uh, it could be RGB. It's a, it's a Yamaha V9958, which was the follow-on of the 9938, which was the follow-on of the TI9918 slash TI9928. Okay. So it's got separate RAM and sprites. and. So this actually has hardware-based sprites? Uh, yes. Okay. And so, video memory. Okay, so this is something where if, if somebody wanted to, it's not a Cocoa project, but it could be, we could, could plug this in and write games with real sprites instead of having to do software sprites. Okay. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So there's a little pick on that. Um, shooting on, on the Coco 3. What is this? <laughs> Why is Retrospectives. Uh, Australian YouTube channel, Retrospectives. And what is he doing? A review of a Coco 3 game, Shooting Range, by Albert Marsh. Says the author himself suggests you try the game, which appeared in the nineteen eighty seven issue of Rainbow. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh no, I left that too long. I don't think I passed that one. No, that was a fail. So I do remember now. Over the side here, there is a little counter here. Um, it said in the article that you. Let's see what it looks. See if we can get some gameplay. So we have these little minions popping up. Getting a little impatient. Okay, and you're shooting these minions. That's cute. Work the same way. I guess we've been we've been a bit. Okay, cool stuff. So it looks like it might be in basic. Um, but it's cool. It's very colorful. And then we have another one. This is Cuthbert Dragon on YouTube. Um, Wiley's Revenge is a video for a game. And what do we need to know about this one, Mark D? Actually, that's all it has here. Cuthbert Dragon added a video of the Dragon 32 game, Wiley's Revenge. All right, let's see what it looks like. Okay, a little bit of a snake chaser. Oh, snake. Okay, and you have to pick up that little thing. So these little pop-ups. All right, so you pick up prizes for points. Uh, obviously, you can't crash into yourself or into the walls. Yeah. Uh, looks and like one of them was a bomb. I go faster. And there's a timer, I guess. Or no? Oh my gosh! That was a Pac-Man. He's got oh, and they and they go away. That's evil. That's evil. And it gets fast. Uh, extremely fast. The mm. power of the 6809 processor. That's mm -hmm. right. No 6309 needed. That's right. Do you have one more tab, Steve Karam? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I must have missed something when I was queuing everything up. Okay. You want to put it in the put it in the chat, and I'll try to pull it from you. Yep, I just did. It's okay. a Facebook post. Cuthbert Dragon added a Dragon Thirty Two game, Willie's Revenge. Where did you post it at, Mark? Uh, sorry, Zoom chat. Oh, I can post it on the po post YouTube. it on YouTube because other people need to see it anyway. So I missed one. Right. Yep, there it is. Okay, I'm waiting for it to show up. Okay, so this is from Facebook, and this is Stephen Param. Uh, showing off some labels 
of the old cassettes. So this is Module Man, and this is a cool game. This one takes advantage of the speech sound pack. Um, doesn't do it, it talks like when you first boot it up, it says Module Man. Um, and it's a kind of a cool game. So this is the cassette version of that, and that's a cool picture. Micro deal had really nice looking lit artwork. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's all the news that I have. And in that's here. all we have. And that's, as we say, that's all we have to say about that. And I want to thank Curtis Boyle for procuring the news for us this week. Curtis could not be with us. He's taking care of some family matters. So, um, and... He still got the news for us before he left. He's really dedicated. It is completely dedicated to the show. Um, and this was a good show, guys. And I, I kind of warned you that I needed to do a hard out around 5 o'clock. And it is around 5 o'clock. So... Um, we will go ahead and we're going to play the closing credits. We'll have some parting thoughts. If you guys want to run a caboose and do the after show, um, feel free. I'm not sure if, if Mark Bosley, if you want to do that or not, or if you guys are up for it. Do you guys want to keep talking after the show? Or have we, have we talked enough? It's dinner time. It's, it's dinner time. Well, there's, <laughs> there are, are those questions from that one guy that you said that you'd get to after all the yeah, other stuff. Yeah, well, so then that's up to well, Mark Bosley saying he's not going to stream because it's dinner time. So uh, jo <laughs> join us in Discord. Go to Discord. It's discord.cocotalk.live. I'll put that in the chat, right? So http colon slash slash discord.cocotalk.live. So pull up the Discord server, join the Discord server, and if you have a question about C, go to the C channel. If you have a question about hardware, go to the hardware channel. We have different channels on different categories. We've got hardware, we got software, we got uh, software development, you name it, we have it. I would like- Game on challenge. We have the game on challenge. I would like to do some game streaming tonight, later on tonight. So maybe we'll do an after, we'll do an after show later and we'll start playing that. Um, the the bouncing boulders game because I, I like that kind of game I want to get I want to get into that so thanks for being here uh, we'll play the credits we'll have some parting thoughts in just a minute um, so here we go where is my outro cue the outro I have to find the outro where is my outro where is my snare I can't hear my snare. Um, here we go. Cue outro. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the A-Bit World. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. 
Cutco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvo, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Different Daffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. You must say it thrice. I think I've got so many freaking tabs open that my computer is running slow. It's like running Nitrous 9 right now. And um, <laughs> it's just, I, man, my computer's been acting funky, but there was so much news. I had a gazillion tabs open, and Google Chrome is not necessarily resource-friendly when it comes to that kind of stuff. So nope. uh, great show, everybody. A really big show. Great show. Uh, I want to thank our special guests who were Brett Gordon and... Ron Klein, I want to thank the panel who's still here with us. Mark D. Overholzer, our resident Apple guy, and David O'Connor from Australia. Crikey! We have Nick Moroda, we've got Rick Euland, we've got Robert Allen Murphy living inside of Nitrous 9 there. And how have you been finding using Nitrous 9, Robert? Is it? It seems extremely easy to use. Wow, wow, imagine <laughs> that, imagine that. So it's not named ironically. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's easy if you try. Uh, we have the cable guy, Jason Reichert is here. Yes, module, module man. Yes. The, I want to be a, a module, module man. man. And the, dum the drummer with a day job, Rogelio, is here. Welcome back, sir. Mark Bosley, who's worried about dinner time, much as I am. Many of us are mo uh, motivated by our stomachs. Uh, Brian, the music man, Shoebring, thank you for being here. And Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, no extra charge for that static. Alan Huffman is here. <laughs> and, of course, David, did we do a good job today on the show, David? He might be out. <laughs> we must have been asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know which David you was talking to. Da <laughs> David Ladd, did we do an okay job on the show today? It was good enough for me. Are we ready for more? That's right. And in the live chat, we've had Jerry Young. We've had Dave and Sharon out there. Mark Overholzer has been in the live chat. Oh, that's because he's been posting all the news links. And Sheldon McDonald and Retro Eng <laughs> and Dave and Sharon and Jeff Young and Coco Man and Explore VR and Tim Franklin and Ken Reichard was out there. Nick Morota was out there. Mark Overholzer, Mike Overholzer, Explore VR. You guys out there who've been with us this whole time, 47 people still watching us live. Roger Voss, Nick Morota, Ken Reichert, James Jones, 
Roger Voss. For all of you who have been watching us this whole time, we're sorry. All right, so we're going to press the <laughs> button for now and look for more live action coming at you later on tonight when we play some Game of the, game of the Week Game On stuff. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody. Press right. the button, Frank. You're pressing the button, Frank. Bye-bye now. Uh, We're done. Stick a fork in it. <laughs>